and prosper. Hey, you into sci-fi? Yeah. Are you into sci-fi? Yeah, totally. I even did a sci-fi movie once. This alien did me with his tentacle arms. It's cool. It sounds cool. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. What's your name? Cramsey. Cramsey? Lisa, actually. I'm Roman. I'm a writer. I write movies and, and books. Mm -hmm. I have a blog. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So what kind of stuff are you into? Oh, you know, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I really like is dragons. Dragons? Mm -hmm. Dragons. Dragons are fantasy. If there's magical talismans, or a magic sword, or wizards, or fucking crazy, not real animals, all these basic things that break the laws of reality, that shit's all fantasy. I'm into hard sci-fi. Fantasy is bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's an amazing clip. So it feels party down. <clears throat> feels very personal between us as well. It does. It does. Um, and I'm I'm the uh, Roman in that character, and you're the hot woman in that for character. sure. In, in that, and in I, that this scene. is me leaving Kelly. <laughs> um, yeah. I uh, that show is is uh, I'm, I'm happy it's coming back. That show is the show that I would probably point to for anyone who doesn't get what it is or what it's like to all right yo we've moved out to la and we're trying our hand at the entertainment industry yeah right and i realize a lot of that's built around the acting but i think just overall it's a good funny entertaining representation of sort of oh yeah the trials sure. and tribulations of that i think party down is a good example uh it is uh really an all-time amazing show and it did just come back and it only had six episodes They've already come and gone. They've aired. They're fantastic. I highly recommend it. Um, they they managed to like write it exactly as it was, and all the characters are pretty much to exactly that. as they were. Which in today's day and age of like these reboots and stuff, so many things they, they don't quite get the voice right. Um, Talking you know, about Picard. Of, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, season three of Picard is fantastic. Listen, I don't we'll get, know we'll get why. into it. I'm actually happy um, that you, yeah. you dropped that too, because I think there are, there is some relevance there to what she was saying. And he was saying even for Picard, but we'll, we'll, we'll unpack that. Sure. Well, sure. Over the course of six or seven hours, yeah. everybody just sit back. Uh, well, enjoy. welcome back guys. This is uh, episode 58 and uh, Kelly, welcome back to you. <laughs> and to me, um, we haven't been on my couch for an episode it's in been quite, a while. quite a while. So yeah, we're returning to, this is the return to the couch. That could be the name of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Return to the couch. <laughs> return to the couch. Return of the couch. Potatoes. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about some movies we've seen. There've definitely been a lot. And uh, I would say that in, in general, this is a great time for movie going because even though we're not fully in the summer season yet, which traditionally is when all the big stuff comes out, We've just had kind of more of a consistent movie going um, 
kind of availability in the last, I would say, six months where they're pushing so many things into the fall and into the spring that mm-hmm. it kind of never lets up. That whole right. like slump we used to have of like, okay, now it's February and nothing's coming out. Coming back from COVID and not having anything kind of re... I feel like it rebooted it, like the it slate. It for sure did. It and also, I mean, as much structure. as we kind of complain yeah. about it and I'll continue to uh, <laughs> sort of the Marvel thing in, engulfing all movies. Yeah, right. I think if anything that has done, it's like they were just releasing too many for a while yeah. to not get into like, well, we need a big March release too then. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that spread it out a little bit just for them. And then everybody's kind of followed suit that way as well. Just my perspective. I, I would say that and even just beyond Marvel or any one big property or franchise factory, um, I think the studios are starting to realize that uh, spending less and making more is a viable yeah. option. And it used to be how movies were made, uh, fast and cheap. Remember that? Sure. <laughs> fast and cheap. And sure. so that concept of like, okay, well, let's not spend $200 million or a billion. Let's spend 20 or 30 and we can make 10 of these. And yep. they, they will uh, you know, make as much or sometimes more money, not putting all your eggs in one basket. And um, I also think there almost has to be some effort, some effort to keep people in a routine of going to the theater yes, when there's endless true. content on at home all the time. Because if you don't go for three or four months and you're waiting for the big thing, you're still more likely not to like get it together. I think, to I think thing. you've I hit think. the nail on the head in terms of like the thesis of movie exhibitors. Like I stay pretty up with AMC and their sure. business model and what they're going for. And essentially that's their whole thing is like, you can't let it let up. You can't let people sit for a couple of months without anything that they want to see. It has to be that it's appointment viewing. Okay. This weekend, what movie are we going to see this weekend? What movie are we going to see? And if you go too long, then uh, yeah, you lose, you're you talking lose about movie audience. pass. Uh, yeah, right. Sort of. <laughs> a lot um, of parallels this this episode. Yeah, it's movie pass sucks, man. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I just I really wanted we them to win hard, but, but uh, they yeah. this uh, reboot uh, in in the beta is terrible. Call us beta spade. Um, it's not party down. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some movies. So I presume you saw John Wick Chapter Four, right? You know what? You didn't. Here's why we didn't. Oh, um, wow. We will, but we knew that one was going to be in theaters. This for a little is bit. Patrick saying he hates Keanu. <laughs> yeah, Here it exactly. is. It all, it all exactly. comes out. No, the funny thing is that's Jess's guy, oh, and I that's her it. series even more than me. Really? But she really wanted to go. Well, we both did. Really wanted to go back through one, two, and three. Oh yeah, sure. And our work has just been so busy. We've now finished that as right. a refresher. Right. Not that you really need it. It's a lot of shooting. No, yeah. Know, and then you just jump in. But, really but, we, but we went back through and, and watched, and now we're ready for four. And hey, that's I cool. presume we'll see it sometime this Four week. is really fun, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew it would be. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, they, they really do all blend together. I don't remember liking any one of them significantly more than any other one. Sure. Um, I think the first one as with almost all first movies in a series, is just a little bit more understated. So there's something kind of like, my memory of it is that it's a little bit more simple. And therefore... And, and at least to some level realistic. Satisfying. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not. Yeah, the second one is when you're, that's your normal expanding worlds get yes. bigger. I mean, now that it's fresh in my mind, yeah. you know, the bulletproof suit, not, yeah, right. not, not a bulletproof vest that he puts on under the suit is introduced in two. You know what okay, I mean? Like gotcha. planning yeah. the weapons in that long hallway. They had to really Yeah, the markers that can crank bring you it back up to in. 11. Right, yeah. Exactly. And that's when you get into what it is now. But the first one <clears throat> That's very 
Very us fair. rewatching the first one was a huge reminder. We were like, he kind of gets his ass kicked some. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even That's by my people memory. that you don't yeah. think. And you could write it off as like, well, he was out of practice and he just right. got back. Like it, It's explainable, but it's like every Star Wars explanation. It's retroactively fixed by your explanation. It's yeah. not, It wasn't envisioned from the beginning, you know yes. what I mean, smoothly. It's yes. just you can explain it away if you want to. That's very fair. Um, well, I really enjoyed it, and we, we'll talk about it after you've seen it. Um, did you catch A Good Person, this new Zach Braff movie? No, I wanted to <clears throat> um, because of uh, Flo, but um, but I did not. Yeah, Florence did you like Pugh it? is an all-timer. She, uh, she is wonderful in this. It might be... It might be one of her better performances, which is tough to say because she's so like she steals every she's movie that she's in yeah. um, or show or whatever. But uh, but I really, really do love this movie. And it's weird because Zach Braff has kind of like a, a weird kind of not history, but being me being someone that was so in love with garden state when it came out and having oh, absolutely no ability to be objective about that today, the way sure. that people are objectively kind of bagging on it as being, you know, this really silly, unrealistic nonsense movie. Um, that's all fair. It doesn't change the fact that I loved it so much. And then me too. This one is tough because I am second guessing everything about it <laughs> because I'm like, wait, is this just more Zach Braffism that is just roping me in and is going to betray me? And this is why two only years. children can give true, honest opinions yeah, because sure. the minute you become aware of the overall thought process, it's just difficult to take everything out of it and be like, you know what? I like this, or I don't. Exactly. Regardless of anybody else. Unlike Garden State, this doesn't star him, so that's helpful. Florence Pugh is really giving an amazing performance. Morgan Freeman is giving an amazing performance. Um, It was cool to listen to Zach Braff on, I think, Conan O'Brien, his podcast. He was talking about how he was friendly with Morgan Freeman because he did that movie, uh, was it Old Dogs? Some oh. ridiculous movie, but like Zach Braff directed that or some shit. I have no idea. I didn't, know I didn't that. see that. Okay. I, 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 I might be misremembering that. Right. But basically, he's like, I had Morgan Freeman in my phone, and <laughs> I'm friendly with him, but I can't afford him. Sure. And he basically sent Morgan the script and was just like, eh, you know, sure. eh. take a shot. And Morgan immediately was like, I love this. I see myself in this entirely. And so then he talked about the challenges of Morgan Freeman only wants to do one take. Oh, boy. And oh stuff boy. like that. Okay. Um, That's but why it works so well with Clint Eastwood. This, this makes perfect this sense. This movie now. I highly recommend. I think it's way underrated and understated. And uh, I think it really is. It's probably his best movie. He hasn't made that many movies. Zach has directed some TV. Yeah. But of this shit that we're talking about, it's, it's got to be his best movie. Um, in terms of an, a, an objective kind of reality or look you know at what's it. so funny I I am with you on Garden State when it came out I was you know people I mean people were it wasn't just us adults not just us yeah and you were up. in college they were at writing, the time right yeah people I was were writing articles about this is the new graduate you know what I mean which is <laughs> yeah right one of the best twenty movies of, maybe of all time right right and um, obviously it's not that and I I will state that I look at it now and I'm like oh it's it's not profound you know what I mean like I thought it was right but that doesn't mean that I think it's a bad movie um you know it's all a matter of where you're coming from on it right like i i'm not saying there's nothing problematic i'm not saying there's no you could dissect it pretty easily sure, I, know I yeah. could. but if you just look at that movie as a first time director sure comedy yeah. for that time it, if nothing else you can say 
we responded to it because that's what we wanted in that moment. Correct. Th- this is my it argument was absolutely for, perfect in that moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a Rocky fanatic, but this is my argument for you know Rocky three and four in the '80s. Like, what did we want in '85? Like, right. we wanted Rocky four. It's different than Rocky, but yes. So anyway, uh, it not is to go down a whole time. tangent. No, but, no, you're absolutely but, but right. But I would defend Garden State in that way while also stating yes, it is not now one of my 50 favorite movies of all time. You know what I mean? Like at the time. I just thought this is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. I, I would uh, I would say, yeah, I felt the same way. Um, I'm going to skip over one of the big ones that I know we both want to talk about a lot uh, for the end. Um, but I'm going to rattle off just a couple others. I don't know if you saw. Did you see Showing Up? Uh, I don't even know what Showing Up is. Showing Up is a really wonderful small movie from director Kelly uh, Reichardt, I think her name is. And um, she's made a bunch of movies. But uh, it's a very, very small movie. But it stars Michelle Williams and Hong Chow. Oh, I do know about um, this movie. You, you've but seen the seen trailer yeah. for sure. But yeah. it's it's out in kind of limited release right now. And uh, really wonderful. If you're into a very mellow kind of simple subtle movie about artists it's michelle williams plays a sculptor who is like from a line of a family of like sculptors so it's a movie about like living in your family's shadow and uh you know your your uh, parents being kind of larger than life so how do you cope with that kind of a la that movie in a world (laughs) you know where she's under her dad um and uh it's it's really really good it's really good um got it Super Mario Brothers was really fun. <laughs> was it? Okay, yeah, so you it, enjoyed it. It really is. It's, so, there is nothing wrong with that movie. It is a super fun family movie that's still got enough good stuff for adults. Like, I saw it alone, you know, and it, got it. totally a fun movie. Um, is it, like, as good as, uh, you know, most Pixar the movies? The 1993 Super Mario? Yeah, right. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't achieve that. And, you know, and the comparisons between the 93 one, which, of course, is panned as, like, one of the worst movies ever oh, made, yeah, yeah. except that that had a lot more going for it. And um, soft spot in my heart. Both and it was stylistically the time, and story-wise, there's, sure. like, there's more substance going on in that movie. Gotcha. But um, this is a lot of fun. It's really good. Well, that's interesting. Jess was actually bummed out this morning when I was leaving to come over here and do this because <laughs> she early on we were like, eh, you know, whatever. And then, yeah. you know, not, not that this is a huge surprise, but, you know, if, if you're just judging it even on, look, you know, video game movies don't, don't do well they generally yeah. aren't good historically they aren't good movies yeah and this just being immediately at least the biggest box office success that's it ever been the, adapted from yeah, a video game most uh, highest grossing um or it is the biggest opening, opening of an right. animated movie of all time wow. beating frozen 2 which is crazy well, listen to me. it speaks to how untapped like we we could complain and we could be you know old heads and fancy movie old people heads, yeah. and 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 you know <laughs> pretentious or whatever yeah let's do that yeah yeah which we will (laughs) just yeah hang tight we will um but ultimately i mean this is something that has bled into our our popular consciousness as a culture right like i mean super mario is a storyline and a and a a world and a character that people care about right like i mean it's been with us such a part of us i was a child i I remember being introduced to nintendo with the first super mario i'm not saying any of that makes it a good movie but there is a storyline there and it is a mythology and it is a hero's journey and all this other stuff so like 
it does lend itself to, sure, you could carve something out that's good here. Now, the 93 version didn't attempt to do anything true to the video game. No, it just kind no. of took the characters and made its own thing. But what's interesting about this one is you know, a couple of our friends, especially with kids, have really loved it. And the reason Jess was bummed this morning is her uh, parents took her niece and nephew to it. And she was like, oh, I would have gone because I'm leaving. You know what I mean? Like, I would have gone and, and <laughs> checked like, it out. They out on and the, just yeah, because and the, of what they, it is. They literally were just like, oh, I didn't know you'd be interested. But... Oh, I was going to say that this is the funniest thing because I'm always complaining about the new version of something that I think is more sacred from when I was growing up. And yeah. I've always tried to argue that, like, look, man, I, I can be objective about this. I'm, I'm saying that I genuinely think this is a better definitive version. Right. Not just because I grew up with it. With this one, I haven't, even, this one. <laughs> I haven't even seen the new Mario. Yeah, right. And I'm confident that I can say the new Mario is the definitive better version. Yes, yes, now, yes. I have a soft spot for the original, but this is a little more like, you know, yeah. me loving Ninja Turtles than me loving Star Wars. It's that I grew up with it. There's nothing else. This is very much a that. product of the, you know, the Chris Melodondry uh, vehicle factory, whatever. He's the guy that made Despicable Me and all that stuff. Sure, sure. And, and Universal, of course. And then Nintendo, you know, had a big part in it. The people at Nintendo, yeah, you know, yeah, are a big part of this movie. And so how it sets up, without giving anything away, how it sets up the characters of um, Mario and Luigi, uh, or are those their names? Yes, correct. <laughs> Luigi is the green one. Luigi I got is you. the green one. We're not Mario. big gamers. Super Mar- but Mar- yeah, Luigi, what are their last names? I don't even remember. I don't know if there um, are. I don't know. Well, that proves how it sets know. meaning how it sets up the story of them and where they live and what they sure, do sure. and everything and their plumbers and all that is like incredibly endearing and it, it, it's not even about the world that they go into you know sure. through a pipe it is on its on its face like a fun story about these brothers and it yeah, really is yeah. endearing you know so i i just well, really enjoyed it and I, I could watch 10 of them like keep making them sure yeah they're I'll try fun. to check yeah. them out i mean again also i mean just i was thinking about while i was watching the preview i, I realized i'm harking on about this and i haven't even seen it yet but, yeah right but even just in the preview i was thinking about again the 93 version which really didn't have you know anything true to the video game but also just even the game itself evolving and everything changing oh, i mean yes. the, yeah. obviously they were going to promote even just from the trailer that we are going to Mario Kart through this movie. Like right. Mario Kart became as big a game as the original Mario. Right. When you're doing the 93 movie, even if it had been true to the storyline, that didn't even exist yet. Right. So there's there's all these other things. That oh, I no, guess this are movie really opens up into, into a lot of areas of right. the Mario world uh, and the Nintendo world. It's very satisfying. I One like thing it, it's yeah. lacking, though, uh, immediately is Dennis Hopper. I mean, yes. you know, if you don't got sure. Dennis Hopper, <laughs> sure. you deducted 10 points immediately. Uh, anyway, yes. okay. So uh, I will... Um, uh, I will tell you now that I saw one of the more fun and weird and uh, kind of I, I, I don't know anybody that's seen this or will see it um, movies. This movie called Smoking Causes Coughing is mm. really, really wonderful. And it, there's plenty of people out there that are probably very familiar with this writer director, but it's a French writer director. It's a French movie. It is all spoken in French. And it is subtitled. However, it is wildly um, accessible and and wonderful. Uh, it it is like kind of nothing I've ever seen. I don't know what to compare it to, but it's a comedy. It's a dark comedy in kind of like a farcical vein. I'm trying to think of what to compare it to, but like, remember when um, 
this is a bad example, but that movie, the 10 that we like playing the trailer of, which yeah. was from all the people that, you know, the people from the state and like, you know, the Ken Marino and the, you know, all those people, sure. um, that movie was, uh, like a bunch of vignettes, right? That's kind of what this is, but wrapped in a story of some essentially like power ranger type people <laughs> who are saving the world. You know, they are the, <laughs> this force and I am trying not to give anything away, but basically sure. it has peppered throughout it. These vignettes that are really wonderful it just became interested. Yeah. And yeah. And it is so weird. And I think it's only playing maybe at Alamo right now. Um, okay. but, um, uh, the director's name is Quentin Tarantino. Do Dupo Dupo. I can't say it cause I'm not, yeah, smart. Um, <laughs> no, smart. Um, anyways, he well, what a, he seems to have a, a, a pretty prolific like resume. He's not new. Sure. He just maybe new to us, you know, in America. So what a um, weird uh, concept for a thank you for smoking. Sequel. I I just yeah exactly. I just really I really want you to see it so we can talk about it. Cool. Yeah. Um, another one I saw that's kind of an anarchist's movie is uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Yeah, I saw the previews for that. I. That was when I, I very consciously decided I'm going to wait and I'm going to watch this at home yeah. at some point. That's that's fair. It is a very well-made movie. It is exactly what you'd expect. Like It's right there sure. in the title. They are not being shy about this being a very – I mean, are they glamorizing anarchy and um, kind of uh, domestic terrorism? To some extent, yes. Um, but it is with the guy – under the guise of – um, kind of uh, eco terrorism and trying to save the planet and all of these things that are very noble, but of course in a very, very, very illegal way. Um, but it is a really well made movie. It kind of reminds me. Do you remember that movie American Animals from a few I do, years back? Yeah. Um, even though that movie has no stakes, I mean, it's about a bunch of kids that are stealing a book. Like that movie is not about anything really elevated, but uh, it is very similar in its tone. It's very kind of like, uh, tense and intense and, uh, takes itself pretty seriously because, uh, you know, you're, it's about people kind of being afraid of what they're about to do. And, um, yeah. I don't know. The, it's, the it's trailer reminded me so much of the. Do you remember the movie, the East? There's no real reason. Totally. Yes. Might. That of course is that, another when movie. When the trailer came genre. up, I remember yeah. thinking, okay, so I remember when the East came out and yep. I felt the same way from the trailer. And I went and saw that in the, in the theaters and I'm glad I did. And I think it was a good movie. Yeah. East but is I good. also left being like, could have watched that at home. I'm very depressed. Yeah. It's a bummer, you know, as, as the yep. story should be. Yep. And yep. that was kind of why I decided that, but I will check that one out at some point. I do recommend this one though um a couple more i want to mention uh is uh renfield i saw last or a couple days ago i want to see it today uh yeah renfield is a lot of fun and uh, i saw it on friday on its opening day at burbank and uh, it was pretty cool there was a huge group like there were very few people in the theater other than me and then one big group and the one big group were the uh, uh, after reading their shirts they were the makeup effects team for the movie. <laughs> so sure. they all had Renfield shirts on and they were just so excited to see all of this makeup and special effects yeah. on screen. Yeah. Uh, they were clapping for things and stuff. It was really, really satisfying because it is a movie that's made in that practical vein. It's like a, an old, you know, seventies or eighties monster movie in a way, or, you know, kind of schlocky, you sure. know, pulpy movie, but it, it's very, very, um, for being, 
of that silly kind of style and genre, it's actually pretty well written. Um, yeah. Nicholas Cage, of course, is kind of the reason to see it. Nicholas Cage in this is able to do a lot of his ridiculous Nick Cage stuff. Sure. But without it being a stupid movie, he's he's well, in so many stupid movies anymore. I'm glad you're and it's that really out. not stupid. He did a great interview on um, uh, Stephen Colbert where he talked about some of this stuff. And of course, you know I'm a Nick Cage guy. I'm a huge Vampire's Kiss guy. Sure, yeah. And he talked about that. He, so he basically rattled off like his five favorite movies that he's been a part of. Oh, cool. And and then it kind of sort of it wasn't in that list. But then after that, he said, you know, I could have said Vampire's Kiss for this. Right. He said particularly with Renfield coming out, and he's like, and what that did was a lot of people just make fun of that movie and make fun of me running around but what it did was it allowed me to tap into like german expressionistic silent film acting he's like and that's what i'm doing in that movie and if you watch it that is what he's doing the crazy facial expressions as if he didn't have any words and he's just performing for a visual medium Mm -hmm. um because this is a guy who thinks he's becoming a vampire and he kind of talked about how he could utilize that for this as well uh-huh. he also yeah. talked about how he, he completely took that to face off brought that to face off even that makes though it that i guess you couldn't necessarily <laughs> because you know it's a monster movie and taking a face and you thought of it as yes. like a frankenstein type of thing yeah. so um anyway it's a very interesting interview uh, and it's really worth checking out i know this isn't a movie but I, I highly recommend even just the clip for that interview um they talk about being an actor and what thespian means and everything else it's a, it's a great great interview on Stephen colbert so just That's go great, on youtube yeah. and check that out if you're listening and i can't wait to see you uh, i do love him. nick cage any day of the week i love him yeah um, he's the best so the last big one i want to talk about before we kind of cross over into your stuff um uh with a shoe movie um <laughs> is uh, is bo is afraid i did see it You've already seen it. Um, was it terrifying? Was it like a scary movie? Because from that trailer, I'm looking at who the director is, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at the trailer. I'm very interested. And that I do want to see it. Re- I won't say it misrepresented it, but it definitely is a conscious decision to misdirect you. Interesting. That, that trailer. Because I was going to argue, how could you promote this? <laughs> like That trailer makes it look... Again, I don't. I wouldn't put this in the category of like mismarketing because I think that Ari Aster had his fingers on every part of that trailer and wanted the trailer to gotcha. present it in that way. But um, I, this movie of any movie I've seen in a long time, is staying with me in a really aggressive way. And I am not an Ari Aster fan necessarily. I I See, saw I'm not either. I he think only he's has masterful, two but movies. I'm not, not my guy. Really, like I saw Hereditary and was like, oh, that was decently scary and kind of off-putting. And is it really scary? It's kind of a different kind of scary. People bring um, that movie up as the most disturbing thing they've ever disturbing seen. Disturbing is so definitely often. a good word for how See, he I thought directs. Midsummer was incredibly disturbing to me. So, so this movie makes those movies look like fucking super mario brothers <laughs> now i'm terrified this movie is and i like the okay so uh hereditary is disturbing in like very in a very traditional horrific sure. way demon way um demon way there you go thank you um and then midsummer is disturbing in a very cult way humanistic culty <laughs> way this is disturbing in a i am a human being who live in 2023 Oh God! And so the things that you struggle with in your daily life, if you're like most human beings um, and have maybe 
some stuff you're trying to work out in your head, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe sure. you see a therapist, maybe you don't, I don't know, but it is, it is so disturbing and, um, wow. stressful. It's one yeah. of the more stressful the movies I've ever stressful. seen. Um, so you're saying like air is the movie we need right now. This is the movie we <laughs> yeah. don't need right now. So However, let me just wrap up my bow is afraid kind of stuff with that. After this movie, I was so shook that it took me a really long time to form any opinion whatsoever. Sure. When we ended, when we saw Babylon and yeah, it ended, yeah, yeah. we were, we had a similar feeling. I can, I think I can speak for you cause I think we oh, yeah. felt the same yeah. way, which is it's a lot. Yeah. I've just taken in such a arguably masterpiece of a thing that it's hard and, and an epic that spans so much time that it's hard for me to form an opinion about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I appreciate what I just saw so immensely that it's hard to kind of not call it a masterpiece, even if it's not kind of your thing. Yeah. This is that to the nth degree. It's, a, I, I just can't imagine him topping this. You're just like, how the fuck did you even make that? Right. Right. Anyways, my point here is that in the end, after many days, I do quite love it. Um, I can't even believe I'm, believe I'm saying that because parts of the movie are so disturbing that it's like, not only will I never watch it again, I have to consciously try to erase these memories from my head of what happened in this movie. But at the same time, my memory of the movie on the whole is like, this is such a masterpiece. I hope it wins an Oscar and it right. won't because it's so off putting that. I just don't think anybody's going to appreciate it sure. um, on, sure. on a critical level to that degree. Anyways, um, I do recommend it. I just think that you have to really, really, really brace yourself and you have to know who Ari Aster is to get into this. Um, I just want to know about my, that guy's childhood and what it is. I know I was, I was watching an interview out. with, um, Oh God, who's the girl in this, uh, that's, uh, uh, Oh God, not Piper. Um, uh, I forget her name now. She's an actress. She's kind of in some obscure stuff. Um, she's very good. <clears throat> uh, she's not in this a lot though, which is why I kind of can't place her. But, um, Anyway, she was kind of like, oh, I love Ari Aster. I love his other movies. And she was basically just like, uh, I have to be in this movie. Is it Patty LuPone? Um, no. Amy I, Ryan? No. Um, Kylie bit Rogers? Further down. Oh, Parker Posey. Parker Posey. Thank yeah, you. I knew it was P. Parker Posey. Yeah, she just was uh, raving about him. But basically, uh, yeah, like this is, this is, you know, this is a man that she expected to be such a disturbing force. And then she's like, but then you meet him. And he's like, this sweet young man who, you know, is so, so wonderful and it's giving so and everything. Weird, and you're like, how does he come up with this shit that's sure. in this movie? It is so much. It is so it makes much less sense than when you like see an interview with Geiger, you know, for like the art direction of alien. And yeah. he's like, yeah, I realized around age six that I couldn't tell my mom my dreams because right. I didn't want her to not, did not like me yes. and be right. afraid of me. Right. And like, he actually also, while he doesn't want to be a bad person and doesn't want to scare anybody. Yeah. He's literally telling you my subconscious this is what it goes to. Yep. I can't help that. 
And but you also look at them and you're like, I get it. <laughs> and I guess with this guy, it's a little different. I can't wait for you to see it. I really do hope you see it, and I and I kind of hope you see it in theaters because it also the sound design of this movie is uh, unreal. It's it's got an IMAX showing right now. Like for some reason, this is an IMAX movie, <laughs> and I won't say for some reason it's worth it. Um, but I, I highly recommend seeing it in theaters. Um, and uh, that's it. Just be be aware is all. And it's three gotcha. hours. It's full three hours. Wow. It's three hours long, and it feels three hours long. So uh, anyways, um, that's it for my movies. But of course I know we both saw air. So I figured that would cross over a little bit. Do you want to talk about it? We, we have a big one yet to talk about. I do want to talk about it. I just want to ask real quick. Did you see champions? You might've seen it. Oh, you know, I did. I saw, I watched it at home though. Yeah. I I thought it was okay. It was okay. I wanted it to be better uh, than it was, but um, it was cute. And it's a, it's definitely like a feel good, cute movie. It just isn't, it isn't as entertaining as it should be for just like a light comedy, yeah. a light comedy like this used to be. So I don't know, just like cheerful and easy and, you know, 90 minutes of a cute thing. Yeah. And this, when it's over, I was just kind of like, uh, uh, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just it. wasn't quite entertained with it, which is, I don't know where that fault is. It's not, it's not in like the, actors necessarily maybe woody does feel maybe a little miscast in it he's not particularly like he's not he doesn't have a whole lot of personality in this movie and it's also written kind of flat i, I don't know i don't know it just didn't quite get there yeah. i think that's the way to say it. you know what i mean like it had the pieces but it just it didn't did quite get yeah there. and Agreed. the only other one before we get into air that i wanted to just throw out there is um since we talked about mario brothers did you watch tetris I did, and and I, I should say I skipped over my watched at home section, which got is a few it, things. It. Okay. So I did see Tetris, and uh, I I mean we like Taron Eg- Egerton. Um, I love him. I mean, it that, is that, he's the reason that I was. It is to him. me also a very flat movie. Like that it was, movie, it was just fine. Other than him, who I really like, is just fine. Yeah, yeah it's a, and uh, honestly, the story is very compelling and interesting. Sure, that's the thing. The story Conceptually, is is great. I just think that it, like I looked up the director of this. I think it might have been a directing duo. Um, very new, new director, not particularly known for anything. And I just think that they must have you know, gotten a really good deal to make this movie and sure. uh, maybe didn't spend a whole lot of money on it. There's an, an insane amount of CGI in this movie. <laughs> like the whole movie is CGI when it's weird because it's like, why? Yeah. yeah why is it CGI? I mean, I get, I get that you're not going to go to Russia and film, but like, right. You could probably go to some other countries and, and film yeah, and it, 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 it could just be a very yeah. normal it's just about going. You're now in this building, and now you're in this building, and it's like <laughs> yeah. every single it's building. A lot of conversations and buildings for is sure. just CGI. So it's weird. Well, it's a little like Mario it. just got me thinking about Tetris and these games that are really and really just infused into our our culture now. And exactly what they mean to everybody and have meant. So let's jump into air though. Yeah, um, I, essentially, I jump I, in I apologize. Air. Yeah, I apologize that I separated them up out, but basically, these are all the movies that I saw in theaters. Gotcha. There are a couple more that I might mention after this, but um, Air is, I think, the movie to see right now. Wonderful. <clears throat> it is the movie. If you're going to the movies, like go see Air. It is wonderful. It is so. Um, it is so Ben Affleck. There's something about his movies that are just like so insanely competent. Yeah. Agreed. He's just such a good director and it's not like he's made a ton of movies. He's known for Argo and he's known for the town. Sure. He has made a couple others that I gone, either didn't gone. like or didn't see. He did right. live by night. 
He did, um, which he thinks is his best movie, that which he's I never ever saw. Done. I know they filmed it at Sony. When I we were saw there, it, but... and it's fine. But I don't know. I, I'm very interested. I would be interested to see an interview with him breaking down why he thinks that's right. his masterpiece. Interesting. I didn't take that at all. But anyway, no, sure. And yeah. I'm a fan. So. Um, Air is uh, very rightfully a movie mostly about the Nike folks and Jordan, Michael Jordan's parents, and their involvement. His mom, notably, uh, and their involvement in the uh, Nike deal. Uh, what year was this? 80... This was 84. Four? Okay. So 84, 85 was his, his rookie year. Right. So they're going into the 84 season, which would be right. like mid-84. What was he, what draft pick was he? He was third. Third. Okay, Lucky so... number three. And are those the people above him still no, well-known? Yeah, so... Haki- uh, I forget who they were. Hakeem Olajuwon. Okay, who, I know Hakeem, who, yeah. At that time in the NBA, like, again, the movie stands on its own whether you know this stuff or not, but it is better sure, yeah. if you understand all this stuff, which yeah, is yeah. part of the reason I loved it. Um, and also part of the reason I wasn't sure, like you were talking about with Garden State, where you're second-guessing yourself. Yes. I told you this. I was sitting in the theater thinking, yeah, maybe it's just is you. this <laughs> as good as I love, or is this just hitting every single thing that I like? Right. And then Jess turned to me two-thirds of the way through, no, and she it's... could give a shit about all this stuff. And she was like, this is fucking great. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, good. And then we went with her parents. They went. We went back. Oh, and nice. they loved it. And I haven't been to a movie twice in a long time. Um, and then when you told me you liked it, I was like, okay. So it, it's just oh, no, a, it's, it's just a great feel good movie, which I used to make. But so as <laughs> right. far as the the basketball stuff goes, Hakeem Olajuwon, who went first in the draft, right, is to a lot of people and definitely to me one of the ten best players ever. Yes, these right. guys just happen to come through. I the remember same time. him from when I was little. He was a, yeah. a household name, for unbelievable sure. talent. Yeah. So Jordan at that time, no one would would have drafted a guard. There's a great scene in the the Seven Eleven or whatever, the Quick Stop or whatever, where yeah. the guy's saying too small can't be good you know in the league right and that was the thinking it was very much like steph curry shooting threes and being the centerpiece of anything before 10 years ago it's a little you know I mean? non-standard it, it, it's yeah. just things changed the yeah, game right. changed and the conventional wisdom so it makes perfect sense that he wouldn't have gone first the big debate now and how people talk about portland being cursed and all this stuff is is sam Bowie was the second best center so i guess maybe you go with him but he had already had knee surgery and had knee problems, and they drafted him second, and then he immediately got hurt and never oh, really had a career. He was hurt yeah. the whole time. And meanwhile, Jordan, who everybody expected to be an exciting player, you know, a lot of highlights, but not the corner piece to a team. He yeah, right. You know, goes on to be, in, in most people's opinion, in the majority's opinion, the greatest yeah. player to ever play the game and right. win six titles and never has a great center. He, They build a different kind of dominant team. But more than that, I think what this movie hit on was just – how captivated we were by him. Like he needed to become a champion because otherwise his legend wouldn't have grown as much. Yeah. But there was just something charismatic and, and, and I loved how much they centered in on Sonny Vaccaro played by Matt Damon. Yeah. You know, watching film and looking at body language and trying to, you know what I mean? And very and trying compelling to analyze scenes. moments. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of really magical moments. In fact, I wrote, I don't know if you even looked at it, but on Letterboxd, my review was like, like most Ben Affleck movies, this is not like some work of art in terms of how they made the movie. No. It's just a really well-crafted movie. There's Correct. no problems, but it's just a normal, well-made movie. Um, nothing I'm, I'm kind of surprised he doesn't direct more just because he seems to be exactly what a studio would want, which is exactly. like insanely yeah. competent, probably under budget. His movies are relatively simple. Um, and not taking risk on the arts. arts Exactly. Everything is very straightforward. He is like the studio's director in a way or something. And but then he also has Argo, which won a bunch of Oscars and shit. So he, 
he kind of ticks all the boxes for sure. Um, plus he puts himself in the movie and is usually pretty good. Oh man. Like, he's so much fun. He's and by the way, honestly, his, his goofy role, character in this as movie funny as is it so is, good. is so false to Phil Knight, but is he, it? he admitted okay. that he's like, look, that. we're going for comedy. Not, not totally false. I mean, I a lot of that stuff's about, true, yeah, yeah. but the way he played it with all the, you know, oh, mm-hmm, kinda, you know, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. stuff is all just for entertainment. Whereas I think, well, it works. Yeah, exactly. It's, I'm not saying it's a flaw. I'm just saying that is what it is. But I think what was so compelling, like, it's just well crafted. It's nothing beyond that that elevates it. But what elevates it really is this incredible story that even for me, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in Jordan. I, I didn't know. Right. It's it's interesting because it is an underdog story built or, that really happened built around the opposite of an underdog story that we all know. So it's like this Goliath of basketball. Yeah. Who it wasn't like oh he tried his hardest and managed to win one title it just blazed through the league and destroyed everybody, right. but this thing that built him into the myth that went along with the reality was this little company that could you yeah know, like the little engine that could and there's something about those parallels and mirroring one another and being opposites to me that I found it's almost very compelling hard to wrap your head around because it's it's a chicken and egg thing and you're like sure. what what really caused what to happen yes, yes. it's very, a lot of debate about this very intriguing um how, you know which entity helped who and that's in the dialogue of the movie like yes. uh, you know especially at the end with his mom saying like no this is you're he thinking about he doesn't backwards. do all these things. Yeah. And and yeah. that and what why I think that's so brilliant that's built in and I really think that was done deliberately and they didn't yeah. just stumble into it is because that is the great debate now and always will be. It's the people say, "Well, yeah, but the myth is bigger and we built him into that and it's not that he's not great, but the reason I think that's short-sighted if, and if there you really is feel that. some truth unless you worked like, for Nike, you're not going to yeah. Sure. And if he doesn't do that, the other side, you know, is what Dolores Jordan or yeah. you know, um the uh, Viola Davis uh, says in her speech and all of the performances and they're not even all that big are just really, really sound, really, oh, really great. solid. Really good. I mean, there's a speech Matt about Damon's Martin Luther so King in, in yeah. there and Oh, Matt Damon gives one of the great, he might give the greatest speech He's, about is, what Jordan is to us. That's, that's ever, ever been, been said. said and yeah. think about how many things have been said about this guy. I mean, think about the Jordan moment we're in now. I know I'm a super fan, but like it has been, 20 years since this guy played in the NBA, yeah, which is a lifetime. I mean, the NBA has been around 70 years, right? So it's 20 years out of less than a century. Right. And it's been 25 years since he was a bull, since he was Michael Jordan, who we know he came back as a 40 year old played. A couple right. Years. Right. So for it to been that long and for us to have last dance, which kind of got people through the yeah. beginning of COVID yes, it is. Yeah. and now this, it really just feels like we're in such a Jordan moment, which again speaks to what they built in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I love all the shoe stuff. And I love this artist that wants to make something new. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, there's just, there's so much, there's so many rich scenes to it that elevate it to me. There's so many moments that if, are amazing. Every single me. person in this movie, no matter how small their role is very effective. Um, Damon Wayans has like one scene. Oh my god! And he's so good. Um, it's maybe the best scene in the movie. Again, there's exactly. just a ton that of is, little moments. Yeah, that that's the, and Chris Tucker is great. Oh and yeah, I keep forgetting god, Chris I mean, Tucker is. You, we don't see him that much anymore, and he's he's in it sporadically. He's got a line, you know, here and there, but everyone hits. Yes. It's so good. And the Adidas and Converse stuff is hilarious. Yes, and yeah. <laughs> the snack bar is hilarious at the place. You know, like yes. there's just, it's just really Agreed. well made Agreed. and it's full. You won't be bored. You're going through the whole thing. It's entertaining the whole way through. You feel light 
at the end. You feel elevated, which is, per- again, it's perfect. It's the jump man. He's flying through the air. And I loved that they hit on, at least at the end, because the original Jordan Shoe, while cool, was kind of like a revamp on a retro thing. Yeah. It wasn't until the, the Jordan 3s that they actually, they kept talking about, we want to make the man the shoe and the shoe the man. They're extensions of one another. Uh-huh. When they put the silhouette of yep. Jordan flying through the air, which is the whole dream, that's the mythology, right? We want to fly. Yeah, put on the shoes. Speech, you're gonna, putting yeah. it on there. I mean, I'm glad they had that there at the end, how this is what it transitioned to very quickly. Yeah, right. Because it wasn't fully realized in that first one. So it's, it's just good. really well done. It's funny. It's it's. There's a lot of really funny, entertaining moments, too. I loved it. I can't recommend it high enough. Yep. I mean, it's just you don't need Agreed. to know Jordan or NBA. It's it's just a really, really good movie. Absolutely. So, anyway, Damon um, and, and Affleck do it again. What other – did you see any other movies in the theater that you want to talk about? No. I'm, um, I to my, to my huge regret, I've become more of a TV guy, not yeah. by choice. Well, we'll um, definitely I've got, get into I've got our TV, TV section list, in a minute. So rattle off what, it, what um, The only ones I wanted to mention are probably ones that you saw a while back that I hadn't gotten to. Um, I did see Man Called Auto. Uh, is wonderful yeah. and it is so mismarketed. If you didn't see, I don't know. I now just, that you say it, it feels a little bit like air. So, well, <laughs> it's just light. Is mm, all I'm saying. It's well crafted. Well, it's not art, but it's. A, but it's I good. totally agree with all that. But Man Called Auto to me had some really deep, dark, for sure, for soul sure. Yeah, I in it. Just say it's light. That yeah. is, it's uplifting. Not I guess I in the trailer at all, and it doesn't. I, I kind of wasn't yeah. prepared for hugely a lot mismarketed of the a lot of the story that unfolded. Um, the trailer, it kind of looked like shit on the trailer. Yes, like it was very. It did not look good. And that's why I told you when I saw it. I was like, dude. It's a, it's a far more substantial yeah. movie. I dare I even say in some years. Oscar type movie yep, that I agree. this time didn't really come to fruition, sure. but it but it is it is very 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 substantial, um, and yep. uh, good, good Tom Hanks is always good. Excuse me, I saw Missing. Um, excuse me, uh, the movie that, like its other movie, Searching, <laughs> is about. Uh, solving kind of a crime through the portal of a t- uh, excuse me a computer screen mm-hmm. so the whole movie happens within the confines of a oh, wow. kind of a computer screen um, it's very satisfying it's a, it's a great format it's extremely good so if you haven't seen searching and missing yeah, missing is the more out. recent one they're just they're very creative interesting ways to tell a story and um, I would say even more than searching this is a pretty well written movie also um I saw Knock at the Cabin. It's very kind of forgettable, that movie. Um, Knock at the Cabin is... I was going to ask what you thought about like, that. It, it oddly has better performances than most recent Shyamalan movies, but while being a far less interesting story that is kind of like, why are we telling this story? It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. This is not interesting or compelling or anything, um, but it's well cast. Everybody in it is very good. You know what I would say um, about Shyamalan at this point, after we've been with him really through his career yeah, from exactly. the whole beginning, right? I really think Shyamalan is a very good director. Like even if it's absurd, there are moments he holds you, he get, he knows how to build a scene. He knows how to carry you through a movie. And I think he comes up with interesting concepts. I think he needs to hire a writer. Like yeah. I think between the concept he comes up with well, and then actually and this carving one was this based out. on a book uh, and I think sure, it yeah no I know it's not written by him but he yeah he doesn't he's either making poor choices or he's writing it himself poorly. I just think he <laughs> needs help on 
getting the story fully realized and yeah. fully there. Yeah. Because it's not that we let, when Jess and I left, we were like, it's not the directing. Like, no, e- even no, no. when we were like, ugh, it was like there were still every moment we were with him. Like, he kept us with him oh, no, for these moments. It's fully well made. It, it's I don't know. not, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's got a good cast. It's got, it, all the pieces are there, but 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 not from a story standpoint. Right. Like, he, yeah. Yeah, he just isn't picking the best. Yeah. Stuff. Um, okay, so I think we talked about this by text, but I saw Spin Me Round finally, <laughs> and I loved it. And Spin Me Round too. has such weird reviews, and is I think I think it's probably the most misunderstood movie in recent years. Um, if you're into kind of quirky dark comedies, um, and actually being somewhat surprised by the directions that a movie takes. I think uh, you should all see Spin Me Round. It's really a satisfying movie. Um, Jeff Bayana, Bayana, I think is the director's name. Yep. He wrote one of my all-time favorite dark comedies, I Heart Huckabees. And that's right. kind of all you need to know. <clears throat> if you liked I Heart Huckabees, if you're into that weird shit, um, <laughs> this is uh, more of it, uh, but from a different lens. We saw it um, in a theater in Westwood, and we actually went to a Q and A with the director. Oh, nice! Um, yeah, that's great. And um, what's her name? The star, um, uh, Alison Brie. Yeah. yeah, Alison Brie. And it was it was it was super interesting because we had enjoyed it anyway. And then they came up for the Q and A when they started talking about how they wanted the movie to almost be a living thing that was that was arguing and pushing back against its own um tropes like <laughs> yes. against its own romantic comedy yeah, yeah. like once you look at it through Especially that lens i kept just thinking really yeah, exactly and that. that was the part they talked about where they were like yeah of course it's it's a breathing thing that's trying to come living breathing thing and and wrap you back up in what you know is going to be the little it's, epilogue that's, that's a very <clears throat> satisfying way to to d- describe this movie. It just makes yeah. it even better learning that. And this yes. was another one where we talk about, you talk about Garden State and questioning yourself and stuff. A- as time went on after Justin and I had seen it, like it's great and everybody was just kind of crapping on it or at least being like, ah. Like, I'd like I to see to question this myself. become a cult hit that... I just feel like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, this should be one that's playing at the revival theaters sure. because it just, it, there's a lot of quality there. It's really good. Well, Jess has um, been baby turtle in my phone ever, <laughs> ever since this movie. So if you have seen it, you'll Hilarious. probably appreciate please, that. Uh, please yeah. don't call she me She loves that. it. Yeah. Please don't call me that. Uh-huh, baby um, okay. okay. The last one I want to mention is just because it's fun to talk about this. It's a movie that I had never seen that I'm not sure if you know that I had never seen it, but it's 48 hours. I just watched oh it God. like two days ago for the first time. Um, I had never seen really clips of it. I knew that it was Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. I knew it was an 80s action comedy. Wow. And that's all I knew. And the fact that it plays much more like a 70s gritty cop movie yes, than it does. it does an 80s yes, it does. silly cop movie was very off-putting to me. Um, <laughs> like the, 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 the men in this movie are terrible. It, sure. is, a, it, is, a, it is such a problematic, un- unapologetic movie about really just lots of gritty dark shit yep. in essentially a late seventies, early eighties, San Francisco. And I just don't know what was this received like when it came out? Was it funny? Huge hit. Because yeah, people this thought it was hilarious. is a comedy according to everybody. Yeah. And in my mind, it is not a comedy. <laughs> it is a drama very dark. full stop. Yeah. And it's hard for me to reconcile that because did I like it? I would say the movie's not long either. It's an hour and a half long. And an hour yeah, into the tight. movie, I was like, I do not like this movie. <laughs> 
this is not my kind of movie for some reason. I don't like it. And but then by the end, it mostly redeems itself to where I'm like, okay, I enjoyed it, I guess. <laughs> you know? Well, here's the interesting thing uh, about Eddie Murphy and about this movie. We talk a lot about the buddy comedy and the buddy action comedy and yeah. stuff like that. Right. And it's always been kind of weird to me because in my mind, they were they were opposite order. I just, the way you see them when you're growing up, yeah. you kind of think things went that way. And when I learned that, like, you know, Beverly Hills Cop preceded Lethal Weapon. Uh huh. Yeah. I remember thinking, oh, well, Beverly Hills Cop kind of kind of rips off Lethal Weapon and makes it more of a straight comedy, right? It's still action. Yeah, but, right. And in actuality, is kind of the reverse. And when you find yeah. out that Beverly Hills Cop was written not yeah. as a comedy yeah. and for Stallone, and then Eddie Murphy just comes in and rants and raves and it right. becomes a great it's comedy. It's a whole different thing, yeah. And then you find out that 48 Hours was Came earlier before that. that <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of him. In my opinion, this is the bridge. It's 82, so we are in it, the It's 80s, fully the bridge. But it is yeah. the bridge between the 70s stuff, which honestly had like no humor. It's like society's decaying. You know, That's it's, it's all how this movie feels to where we get to with Beverly Hills Cop literally like a year, two years later. It's wild. And then on to the weapons. So I do think it's an important step. And I also think we can't look through at it through the same lens as people. When this came out, if anything, this was lighter than what they had been being fed. I think you're right. And it's hard to light it up and made fun (laughs) of it, even though it's so, I mean, there are so many, you talk about problematic, like, moments that even if they're honest and even if they're what people would have thought and said then, which I think they all are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you just the the ra- the racial undertones of this oh and every and every yeah. and everything. Um but you know, I think it it this was the movie that took Eddie Murphy, who we'd known from stand up and SNL. Yeah. And put him into He's a narrative very good in this. movie story. He's and totally yes, a movie star immediately. And you could see from the beginning yeah. This dude, the first scene with him, is going like, to conquer the world. How the fuck is this his his and breakout I think that's what it thing? Is. Yeah. And if you didn't um, like this, absolutely don't watch another Forty Eight Hours. I actually would have told no, you not I to did, watch it, even if you that. had liked this. I don't because think it would I ruin even it, know because it is one of the all time um, not living up to its sequels. So fair but enough. That's amazing that you just saw that. Uh, um, for better or worse. Yeah, I just I had to watch something old and new. Um, I think we could uh, go into some TV. Yeah, uh, I'm ready. Why don't you get us started with uh, any anything you're watching? Okay, yeah, let me pull up here. So um, I just real quick because this one's a little older. I uh, got caught up on Slow Horses, which you had recommended love to me. Slow Horses, excellent show. Glad that they're going to continue on with it. Um, just really, really well made. I love spy stuff. Man, um, yeah, so good. We, we have. Uh, started dave back yay we're up to speed on that i think there's been three episodes at this point that show just continues to season be... two was not my favorite they really right. had some beats in season two i was like this but show... as i said in season two i really do feel like and maybe i'm giving them too much credit that they are they are actually structuring this like you would yep. the middle chapter Understood. of like a trilogy where yeah. we did go through all that and it got dark and everything else. And I feel like this season is almost like a return to form, but I think it's by design. I think you might be giving them too much credit. And, it might but be. and they might just read the does, reviews and been like, we got to match that, uh, that style. And but man, it's, yeah. it's just, they, it really, it's like, it feels like a work of art. Like I, I just yeah. think they're tapping into something that is maybe it's just who, you know, little Dicky is overall right, right. The shows an extension of that, but the show itself is just so good. Yeah. I've been every episode, it. every episode I'm, I'm wowed in some way. I agree. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be happy to be back on that one. And we also jumped back into uh, Ted Lasso. Oh yeah. 
which I think is going to be the last season now. I yes, guess it is. People yeah. have started to discuss that a little bit now, but I, I hope they stick to that. I think the implication, yeah, is that it is, and they're just making these episodes a little longer, and they're telling us a little bit more story, right. but... Uh, God, I just I do want things to end. You got to end stuff, Me too. man. If it's, you don't, it starts to wane. We know that. We've learned that a million times. Yeah, and we can't ever learn time. that lesson. Big but time. I have really enjoyed the third season as well. Particularly the last episode we watched. We're up to speed. I yeah. don't know if you are, but the yes, last episode we watched, I thought was was really. It was kind of a turning point in the story. Yes. There's been a little lull in the story, and I think that's like sort of by design because it needed to it, it needed to be a what do you call it like a. Um, a motivational ramp that they could sure, run yeah. up. And that's what feels like we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. Needed to get it cracking. Um, yeah. So, and, and, and along these lines, because they share writers and everything else in Apple TV, I think we talked about this last time, but um, we, we finished shrinking. Oh, you, it's you great. Watched, right. Yeah. And again, I just, I love Harrison. Yeah. Ford. Shrinking ended. And I actually have a little clip from shrinking that I just want to play uh, a little, little thing. Yeah. Throw it up. It's a short one that uh, is one of, there's every episode. There's a line or a an exchange that's so good. But uh, this is this is. You know what I should have said was marriage is a big ass pit of misery, and that's why I got divorced because it slowly sucks away your soul until you wake up one day and you don't even recognize yourself in the mirror anymore. That's what the fuck I should have said. No, you shouldn't say that. That's stupid. Come on, Paul. <laughs> Cheer me up a little bit, please. Debbie, marriage is an institution that was created back when people died young. It was built on. Uh, <laughs> land ownership and procreation these days it, it's mainly used to subjugate women and sell air fryers god you <laughs> suck at pep talks you know that yeah i do <laughs> he's a uh, harrison ford i mean the whole cast is good Harrison Ford is kind of like built for this yes, kind that's of what humor I was say. i'm glad this role found him like, because he i needed- don't know why he hasn't done more of this it's comedy like it was just life. waiting for him. And here's the thing, rather than rebooting <laughs> every famous character that he's got, which I, I still enjoy. I'm, I go, went to Blade Runner. I'm going to, I went to Star Wars. I'm going back to Indiana Jones. Yeah. I get it all. But he had this chapter <laughs> where he was the maybe greatest leading man of all time mm-hmm. for the, through the eighties and nineties where he had Indiana Jones and witness and fugitive and Star so Wars serious. and all these things <laughs> and clear and present danger and the Jack Ryan stuff. And it's like, when he came to the end of that, and we watched 15 straight years of him going on talk shows and being like, Ugh. yeah, you know? right. Like that's when this chapter of his career should have begun yes. rather than yes. firewall being air force <laughs> one without a plane firewall. And you know, yeah. what I mean? you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and Hollywood homicide oh and, my God, and, and yeah. everything that where they couldn't find a place for him from the early two thousands on. Actually, Hollywood homicide kind of has some of this in a little it, bit, a little bit, which is sort of, but it doesn't know what it yeah. is. And, no, that and it's sucks. like multiple movies and yeah, anyway, right. Um, and I've watched, I've, I have at this point in my life, I have watched every Harrison Ford movie that has, sure, that has yeah, come out, including right. like Apocalypse Now, where he's in a scene. Like I've, I went through his filmography sure, yeah. and I'm just so happy that this happened in his career at some point because he's so great in it. Yes. And at this point in his career, this, I hope it's great. I hope it's a masterpiece, but this is better <laughs> than Indiana Jones at 80. Right. You know what I mean? Like this oh, is, a thousand percent. this is the appropriate thing for him now. I hope he, and he's I hope he recognizes that also. I mean, he's got, um, it, but I think he just enjoys being indie more than anything. And who wouldn't? Maybe, I mean, maybe I don't blame him. Um, some, uh, uh, yeah. So some other TV, have you gotten into like lucky Hank is a new show with no, Bob Odenkirk. Uh, it's really wonderful. It's a, it's a comedy, but it's a, an hour, hour long comedy or 40, 45 minute comedy on AMC okay. and um, it's Bob Odenkirk and um, 
and uh, a lot of people you know uh you know other other fun people but it's really great for him it, he plays a, an english teacher or professor at a college and it's dry and it's smart and it's kind of elevated and uh a little bit um i won't say elitist but uh, you, you it's a movie or excuse me it's a show about professors at a college so you can kind of connect the dots as to <laughs> what kind of people sure. they're they're showcasing but um in a really satisfying way it's very very smart um did you catch uh actually are you on the succession in the succession no, world oh. i'm not Meaning i, I you know i haven't seen any seasons of it at all but i only know about it man this yeah. uh, recent season has been so good um we're only three episodes in um but uh yeah there's uh there have been some shows that have ended like party down ended we talked about that right um yeah. there's a fun show on disney plus uh renovations with jeremy renner i saw the renovating old yeah, vehicles that, but i haven't seen it um it's cute it's uh, unfortunately a bit too much like pimp my ride but it's <laughs> a little bit more fun than that um and uh there's a couple of shows i wanted to mention that i binged that are from months ago but I binged Outer Range and I binged Poker Face. Yeah, you recommended Outer Range. And I Outer think Range, you saw Poker Face, right? You Loved told me. Poker Face so much. I loved I it too. Natasha Leone is meant to be that character, and she she great. really is. I am totally embodying that that whole world. And I and think, if you liked Murder She Wrote in the eighties, yeah. this is the modern so, version. It it is kind of like that. It's a it's a, a you know a crime uh, crime uh, you know mystery show. Yeah, bullshit. And very, very satisfying. Like most all the episodes with a couple of exceptions are extremely well-written creative yes. stories yes. that are one-offs, you know, episodic storytelling, um, kind of like, uh, like you say, Murder, She Wrote or, or you know, the CSIs or, uh, or X-Files. I right. think X-Files is the most appropriate comparison because of X-Files being a very – kind of cinematic yeah that's show. interesting i hadn't thought about that but I take away right. the paranormal aspect yeah, of x files yeah. it's like the same detective following you know where there's like still through lines there's and it's still, always to some uh, random little town in the exactly mountains type of thing. exactly yeah. so it feels more like that tonally um but um uh god just great characters and great uh guest stars um and pretty well written yep. um i highly recommend outer range to everybody i haven't heard many people thanks to my friend tim who was like i really would like you to watch this because i don't know anybody else to talk it's to it's been on our radar about, for a long time but um, we haven't gotten to it it's very it's it's a in and of itself kind of uh like a uh, like an x-files or something it's a kind of a paranormal show um but in the vein of like yellowstone and cowboys and stuff sure um actually it's more like twin peaks but uh very very satisfying and i loved it so much and i can't wait for more of it um let's see i gave up on a couple of shows yellow jackets season two came back and i got like 20 minutes oh, into no. the into the new season and i was just like i don't give a fuck and i turned wow it you have i been did that, that one. i did that also with this new show tiny beautiful things which is starring um uh uh katherine hahn who i love mm. so much everybody loves katherine hahn um this show i think i got an episode and a half in and i was just like eh, i don't care turned it off um, another one I it, gave man. up There's on is exactly um, is Your Honor, which I was a big fan of in the first season. I remember, and that show ended, and it was supposed to be the end. They ended the show uh, after the show ended. They picked it up for another season, mistake. so they had to go back and rewrite yeah, how mistake. everything went. And this season, 
is good-ish. Like, I've been watching it. It's very dark and it's very slow. And I, another one that I just had to pull the plug on because it's just like there's fucking too much. And where are we even going? That If you're asking yourself week to week, like, okay, where is this going? What are we doing? What are we doing? What, where is the value in this? It's just like I can't, I can't bring myself to watch it, um, which is right. actually why something like Poker Face is so satisfying because sure, sure. it's just like story after story after story. Um, the last thing I would talk about is Picard, but uh, how are you doing on TV? Anything yeah, else? We're, we're definitely going to get to Picard and Star Trek yeah, go uh, on a larger level as a whole, but um, Great. I, I wanted to mention one. I don't know if this even really qualifies as TV, but um, there's a, 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 a short kind of doc series i think it's like a six-parter called the last movie stars which i may have mentioned a long you time did ago tell us about this yeah. on the pod and i've added it to my watch okay list. got yeah. it so i've already hit that one uh, the other one is you had recommended a long time ago but since you brought up some that i'd recommended to yes, you yeah, yeah. i finally 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 got around to uh uh blazing through peacemaker hell yeah uh, the series and so fun just so entertaining <laughs> so funny um the, i i never <laughs> so i never don't skip the intro. Oh no no no! Yeah, and I watched that's a double negative. I watched the correct, <laughs> and I, and it's appropriate for the show. I watch the intro to Peacemaker every single episode. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, um, you have to because that that's such a fun eagle. song. But the whole segment is yeah. perfect, and it's what that yeah. show is and everything yep. else. So we did that. I agree. Um, the other thing, uh, just before we jump into Picard and Star Trek, I mean, you're up to speed on Mandalorian. Oh yeah, sure. Okay, so. And I continue to enjoy Mandalorian episode by episode. I'm entertained. I'm happy. I'm not going to be the guy who doesn't for sure. know, enjoy Star Wars when I think it's the best Star Wars. As we said kind of from the beginning, the more they sort of expand it and loop it in, tie it in with everything else, the more I'm kind of like, oh, okay. It kind of takes away okay. from it a bit. All right. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily need a Jedi Mandalorian, but I have enjoyed it, and I do think they've been very entertaining episodes on They the have been, and, and in their year. defense, they have, they have taken us to lots of new things and yep. new places. For sure. Um, the episode with Jack Black and Lizzo, it, <laughs> wh- while their casting is and, kind of stunt casting. And also with... Uh, oh, and Christopher Lloyd. Yes. Yeah, of course. Okay. It, it is, but it, it purely it's satisfying that we get to go to a new world and see new interesting characters and everything. And that kind of stuff is, is the stuff we love. Um, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Mandalorian has been great. Um, Picard, Picard, let's talk about it. So, um, I would say that this is going to include spoilers for this current season of Picard. If you are behind on Picard or plan on watching Picard, um, I don't know how you're going to skip over this, but figure it out. Yeah. Um, and we may right now, talk about, because Picard touches on things, we may talk about some other Star Trek series <laughs> as well. A little Fair bit. enough. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. want to yeah, yeah. also preface um, that. But, it, but to clarify, Picard season three that is currently airing uh, just had its ninth episode. And by the time you're listening to this, it very well might have had its final episode, which is episode 10. Yeah. And uh, Im- the implication is that then they're done. This show is no more and that we don't really know if there are any sh- shows that are going to spin off of this show in any significant way. But what I can I can say definitively now up through these nine episodes, regardless of how it ends, is that um, it is by and large a really wonderful TNG sequel. It follows in the footsteps of TNG in a really satisfying way, and it is um, it is a, a 
so far superior to seasons one and two of Picard that I still don't quite understand what happened. Like who wrote I those other seasons? At any time on either of those. I, that's what every uh, single person that I've read a comment or a thread of is. What a giant waste of time! What when you can do this? Why? Did we should have, have all se- that this other been shit? Season one. This should have been season one. Season one and season two are just terribly written. The characters themselves, the ones that we knew, were very clunky and weird. And and uh, you know, Patrick Stewart was very clunky and weird, and not all at all the character of of Jean Luc Picard. And then you have uh, all these new characters that they introduced us to, and all these other storylines that they brought us to. None of which did we care about. Did, I mean, if it was some other show, take away Picard, take away Starfleet, take away Star Trek. They were shows that were just kind of like weird sci-fi shows about, I don't know, things that were happening. Like nothing was very Star Trek about them at all. It was almost as if they adapted stories that were already existing that were out in the world and they shoved them into Star Trek. Whereas this season feels pretty Star Trek to me with very few exceptions. Virtually every episode has been good. And I have to assume that a, a huge amount of that is that they've, got the original cast back. Everybody is kind of performing in their original characters pretty, pretty elegantly. And then, um, for whatever reason, the, the showrunner, you know, has kind of changed Terry Metalis, who's a, a significant part of why this show is good. Clearly now we've proven that I, I very well might have blamed him last season because he was partially the showrunner last season, but it seems to me like uh, you can't blame him because, I think something was happening last season that created, you know, the, the, the pain of season two. Sure. Um, but where we've landed at the, this ninth episode of bringing the cast back together, you know, when Jordy and data got back together, um, I was very emotional, like when they were actually talking and interacting and saying how much they love each other and how happy they are to be together and all of these things. And then cut to a couple of seasons later, you get the entire crew in the, uh, in the conference room and they're having their old conference room type scene. Um, also very emotional and you can see it on the faces of the, the actors themselves that it's, it's quite a big deal. And then cut to a few seasons later, or excuse me, a few scenes later, and we get the Enterprise D back, which was kind of like, um, it was a lot of people's guess as to, like, a few episodes ago, when we first got to Starfleet, uh, the Starfleet Museum, and one of the daughters was like, well, but what about, you know, blah, 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 and Jordy goes, shut shut up, shut up, shut up, (laughs) you know, and she was clearly alluding to, we have a ship. We have a ship in the in the dry dock, you know, or whatever. Right. And uh, so a lot of people had already guessed this. It was a question of what are we going to see? Are we going to see the saucer? Are we going to see it completed? Are we going to see it in pieces? Are we going to just fly around in the saucer section? Are we going to, you know, but what we've what we've been given, which is a fucking miracle, is the Enterprise D from Generations, which crashed in 94. You know, last time we saw it was Generations in 1994. And that ship, which is really the the heart of Star Trek TNG, uh, we thought was gone forever. Yeah. All the transparent and, aluminum. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> we we so. fixed it up. Um, and uh, Jordy, uh, rightfully so, perfect for the character, perfect kind of solving, putting together of pieces where, you know, for decades we're like, how would we ever see that ship again? It fucking crashed and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, 
it's so well crafted that every even Star Trek fans who are so hypercritical and so detail oriented are still just sitting here going, yeah, I don't see any problems with how they wrote this. It's all every mm-hmm. puzzle piece added up to every other puzzle piece in a really satisfying way. And you're like, yeah, I don't think I could have written it better. So we get the Dinerprise D back and it's perfect and they're on it and something's going to happen. I think the two minutes of, um, from seeing the enterprise, but especially getting onto the bridge. Yeah. Like could have been my favorite two minutes of television I've ever watched. It's, and I, and I realized that I'm beautiful. being emotionally manipulated as I want to be. Yes. I'm, um, I'm fully on board. Go the ahead. Music and walking out uh, down to the oh, no, these... dumb, but perfect line of, I really miss the carpet because of all the, the conversation about keeping Hello, that clean chair. <laughs> throughout. Yeah. Uh, all, all of that stuff. But yeah, it was just so satisfying. And like you said, it was one of those things that made you realize, you know, what were they doing before? But here's a couple notes that I just wrote down. Down Please, yeah. About, um, I guess Trek as a whole and how it relates to Picard. Um, the the Borg are clearly the best enemy that they ever came up with. Sure, to me, for Star sure. Trek. Yeah, yeah. Um, particularly in the early Next Generation. Yep. Kind of iteration of it. Um, yep. So bringing them back, you know, and having that be the threat is, is just kind of a perfect, you know. Yeah, circle, I also have no problem with it. I think it's good. Yeah. In this season, this series, particularly, well, only this season, Worf has finally kicked ass the way that we always talked about him like he did. But if you go through the Star <laughs> yeah, Trek he series, he always got his ass kicked. <laughs> so that has also been, I think, was necessary to kind of correct that yes. and good. Um, the Enterprise D, I kind of always argue against like, you know, fan service, just tell us the story. Don't try to hit the beats of fan service. But that was like the greatest, like fan service jerk off of all time. You know what I mean? Like it was a, and the, why I called out the spoilers too, is that it, it, it was clearly a huge secret. It was a huge television secret that they built this set and they filmed on it and they have this as part of the story. And I, I just can't stress enough that it is, um, that room of the bridge of the enterprise D lit the way that it was, is like the most iconic, maybe most important room in my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like of any room, <laughs> sure. including every bedroom I ever had, sure. including every house I ever lived in, including every fictional location I can think of in any movie. I would even include, any part of Back to the Future, which is easily my favorite movie, like if you ask me what room do I want to be in, it's not Doc's laboratory. It's not. Yeah, sure. It's not even the DeLorean. It's like the bridge of the Enterprise D. And that's why it's been my dream for so many years since 94. I mean, 1994 was the last time we saw this bridge. Right. All you can do is watch the episodes again, but it's not new content. It's not new story. No new story from the bridge has happened. And I was six back then. So 29 years, right, have gone by. And um, we have new stories coming from that room. 
there's no, it's been my dream of, uh, for so long to recreate this bridge. And I, I would love to know the financials of this sure. one day soon, if not real soon, we'll find out the financials of building this bridge. There's a variety article that came out today about rebuilding the bridge. It doesn't really go into those kinds of things, but it's an incredibly expensive and detailed operation to recreate this bridge. There have been, uh, private projects to recreate the bridge, you know, perfectly. Um, this one of course being done by Paramount themselves, they had to bring together the Akutas who helped, you know, design it originally. And they just, they didn't have enough of the information to recreate it, um, f- perfectly, but they pretty much did. I mean, they figured it out, you know, they, right. they had to just look at a lot of like pictures and, sure, sure, and imagery sure. and stuff. And, uh, I just, I, I one day want to step on this bridge. And one thing that you never got to to experience was walking under this bridge at the Star Trek experience, right. which Vegas. was again, one of my highlights of my life. Right. Um, anyways, I don't know. Well, yeah, go I on. mean, honestly, man, I would continue. I, I won't put it quite as eloqu- eloquently as you did, but, uh, but you know, I'm a, like you said, back to the future. I'm star Wars is my, that's, you know, more important to me. That's the thing. But right. There is not an equivalent for Star Wars to the to to your point. Yeah. To this bridge, there's not a single place, a single. You nope. know what I mean? I, you could say a, a hangar like they have now in the star in the Disney you know rides. Yeah, pretty cool. Event, you pretty know, cool. Pretty great. Yeah, pretty but, great. But not the same thing. Um, nope. I I will say. I mean, I wrote this down. We've already talked about this, but I mean, my big note right at the beginning was just why wait three seasons for this. But the reason that I wrote that is really I, I noted that Star Trek. The next generation, and I guess this speaks to maybe you could argue why even have a Picard show or a show called Picard. Yeah. The strength of Star Trek The Next Generation, very much like the strength of the original Star Trek. The strength of the original Star Trek was the dynamic between Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. You know, it was the three of them for the original. You had a whole cast, and I love them all, but that was what was important. Yeah. Next Generation was a seven-person crew. Yep. That that like the strength of all of it was them together as a unit and how they worked. Magical. It, it was, it, and it just they yes. hit across the board for that group that carried through every season, other than season two, when inexplicably there's a different doctor. But but like overall, yeah, right. it all it all works that way. And having no matter how good Stewart had been, no matter if the two seasons previously had been better, yeah. or bringing Data back, or if you like Q and having him back and all that stuff. It still is Picard running around old and alone. Like old he and alone. uses his people at different times. But having them on the crew kind of made you realize like, oh, for the first time, we're in season episode nine of season three of potentially, like you said, three seasons. Yep. And they're together now. And that is the strength of the show. Yep. That is the reason we wanted to come back yep. to it. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is, in my opinion, um, Star Trek strength, and this applies to why I don't part of why I don't like Discovery and some other series that I don't like as much. Yeah. And why I like Next Generation, the original Star Trek. But the strength of a Star Wars, let's say, is one big baddie and one big goodie. It's white hats and black hats, you know, in Western terms, and it's a planet destroying thing. You know what I mean? That's yeah, like we very, all have to band together. Very clean. The cut, stakes yeah. couldn't be higher or more simple. And it's a World War II plot. Yeah, you know, right. Like we got to save everybody, whatever. The strength of Star Trek is exploration 
and different challenges that are unique and not always world ending. In fact, usually they shouldn't be, you know what I mean? Like maybe one world, but it's not the whole universe is going to die if we don't go and do this. And I just think they've fallen into from kind of a, you know, really from deep space nine on, you know, Voyager, as much as I still enjoyed those and enterprise even gets into this in one series season and stuff into these big plots of, if we don't survive on this, make this work on this one ship, everything's gone. Yeah. Right. And it just pushes against, you know, discovery was the biggest one of this. I mean, it's like the entire, you know, the big bang ends and we implode and there's nothing left. Like I just, it's not that you can't tell that story, but they started telling it as often as they tell time travel uh, stories and Trek and it's just not the strength of the thing. You don't you don't need it. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to lean on the crutch of that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so the reason I mention this is there are exceptions to that rule that make the rule. <clears throat> and the Borg sort of taking over Starfleet is kind of the ultimate way to do that, in yeah. my opinion, and do it effectively. I think it's an excellent and it turn so in the well. story that I'm like, yeah, I don't have any pr- – I like – it feels so right and so satisfying as the ending of this series that this would be this huge stakes moment. And even the writing, even though I don't like, I would say the only single element of this season that I don't like is the portrayal of Jack's subconscious problem. Oh my God. That's where I was headed. So another thing that are I very obnoxious and it, it annoying just, and very similar so to the other seasons of the show. There's so much like. of it. It's getting into like a supernatural. I realized they, they, it curled back around and it ended up getting to a place that I like. That was, yeah. Right, but very, the whole way through yeah. that, I was like, this is not the strength of Star Trek. Like we're into almost a fantasy territory. Yes, you yeah, know, there's yeah. no dragons, but it's bullshit. Look, I it's like all that just shit, bullshit, but yeah. it's not, it has no place here. Yeah, now right. bringing it back to the Borg and kind of being in planted almost genetically it, it all worked it did work but they used but it but they were so right much. on the edge of it yeah. not working and also on the Obnoxious edge of is the right doing it too much that yeah. you used yeah yeah so so yeah there's a lot of things we like i will say there are a couple things that that bothered me i i guess it's not a problem but Having the changelings and then having the board, I think sometimes it's possible to have too many ideas. We're, we're giving them too. Or I'm giving them too much credit, but I'm hoping that they will land that. Yeah, problem in this last episode. I hope so too. I'm not saying it can. But you're right. It's too and much. And I'm not even it's saying it's a huge problem. I'm just saying things can get cluttered really quickly. And when you're bringing in the big baddie of all of Deep Space Nine, which took seven seasons, and you're bringing in the big baddie of Next Generation, which took seven seasons, and then you also brought him back in Voyager, you are actually taking like 15 years of stuff and trying to jam it back into 10 episodes. In a way, yeah. So anyway, uh, those were a couple things that I mentioned. The other thing is, this is, I mean, I can't not complain about this. I'm happy he's back. You could not have him with the rest of the crowd, but like, what's the deal with Data? You know? He's dead. He's alive. I actually, I actually really so like how they wrote it all and how they implemented. I mean, I think they did a, as good a job as you could. I guess have. that's the thing. I'm right? just yeah. saying, at a certain point, you have painted yourself in a corner. I'm not blaming the people that are there now that they got painted into a corner earlier. Well, Michael Shabon, who wrote and show ran the first season, clearly wrote this <laughs> ending for the character of Data. Sure, and then it got passed to a new showrunner. And I get it. I get it. I'm just saying it's conflicting ideas. It's not as smooth as I would have liked. Oh, for I mean, sure. Can you even kill him again? I what think, would that mean? I think what they that landed matter? it really well. 
I mean, I, I do. I think they did as good a job as they could. And again, of course, it's this, weird. Of course, this it's also weird. plays I'm into choosing the board. Not to. Not to <laughs> well, this also plays into the well, Borg right. idea, right? But to me, the moment where he was like, "Yeah, that data, I think, is happy, and this one's happy to be here," I was kind of like, "Okay, all right." But like I said, I would rather At least have he that. acknowledged it in that sentence. I, though. I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, you had yeah, to. Yeah. But I would rather have that than not have him with with the crew. And like I said, it was the most satisfying moment. I'm happy they're all back. It's going to be that. interesting how how they land the Borg Queen because they've obviously teased that there's this Borg Queen and the Borg Queen in last season was played by a, a different actor, this lady Annie something who actually passed away recently. Very who looked very similar to to Alice Krieg, yes, the original but Borg the Queen, person. but different person. But this is clearly Alice Krieg talking. Like this is her voice. Mm. So Alice Krieg, the original Borg Queen from First Contact in ninety eight or ninety six, is clearly this is her voice. They only showed her from the back. So I'm very interested to see what happens in a few days with this finale. Um, maybe they bring Alice back. But then that brings up the question is, we killed her in First Contact. Picard broke her spine. She melted yeah. away. And then, you know, I guess the implication is that she was just actually a download of a personality that sure. got saved somewhere. And they've Palpatine has returned. Yeah, <laughs> we somehow, don't know. Somehow. Um, did I ever <laughs> talk to you about, we won't unpack all this now because it would just take too long, but how yeah. I actually, even back in 98 when or 96 when, um, the Borg Queen was introduced or whatever, how I actually found it more threatening and, and was more mysterious and more scary to me not having any queen, just having the voice of the entire collective. Oh, and no right. One really guiding them. Right. Now, I, there's nothing wrong with having the queen bees move that way. And they're, you know, they're a colony sure, yeah. hive. But um, I always, from that point on, was kind of like, ah, I like this idea better. This idea is fine. Right. But I like what we saw in this, in the series and, you know, finale of season three and beginning of season four for next generation better. The other thing that I'm really happy about is, you know, they've tried to do other stuff with the Borg from Voyager on, even early Picard episodes, because it's kind of like, what do you do when they're unplugged? Maybe we have to actually help them. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, are right. we compassionate? And that right. stuff's all moving, and it's a logical place to go. Even lore coming along with the Borg and trying to unite yep. them later yep. in, the, in the series, that stuff all works, but it's never as strong as when we first got them, and they were just this threat that, yeah. holy shit, right? Yeah. And that's what I think we're back to really for the first time and what a fitting into Picard it would be to have their greatest threat and their, and to be their strongest episode. Certainly the finale. I, everybody I remembers truly don't know how they're going to wrap it up in one I don't episode either. and I don't know if it'll work. And that's another it part of the reason that rushed. I just feel like, how did we wait to tell the whole story that everyone wanted know, man. until the last two episodes or two and one and a half episodes of 30 episodes? Yeah, this remains so. to be seen. But we'll week. see. But we were very happy um, and it was an incredible moment. The reveal so. of the Enterprise D and the bridge is is a big deal. And I uh, the last thing I'll mention is the last sentence of this Variety article about the making of the bridge says, and what of the ship today? It says their work remains intact. There were, and this is a quote, there were lots of interested parties who wanted to save the set, unquote, uh, Blast says. Uh, Luckily, it has a home in the Star Trek archives, he says. So the entirety of this set lives on, which is great. I hope that that means something, you know. Sure. I don't know what it means, but um, it makes me feel, it, it genuinely makes me feel better as a human being in life, as a fan of Star Trek, to know that this set exists. Yeah. That it is it is a real thing that is in uh, a safe it's, storage. It's a beautiful set. It, you know, it's a Gorgeous. beautiful ship. And it, it really is a shot of just 
um, nostalgic adrenaline straight to your heart. It really when you is. get it and you get that. Oh, music. I mean, I cried. I cried. All of these moments that I was talking was about, I cried. But the, the being on that set, and uh, hopefully we'll see a bit more of it next week. I'm under the impression that they are not going to have a lot of the episode take place on the bridge, but sure. they are going into battle in this ship. So I think yeah. Uh, yeah. we will see something. So. Anyways, um, should we move on to news and other things? I think we have to. It's been a while, yeah. yeah. So moving on to news, um, very unfortunately, Lance Reddick died last month. He was only 60 years old. Yeah, uh, We know him, of course. A lot of people know him from The Wire. I know him from Fringe. Um, but he's a big part of the, the uh, John Wick movies as well. And uh, I think I went and saw John Wick you know, just days after he died. And that was uh, that was a bummer. Yeah. Keanu uh, said it best. There was an interview on the red carpet, and he was just talking about what an amazing guy he was and giving and everything else. And he just, you know, in a very Keanu way, in a very nonchalant, very down to earth, normal person way, he just he ended this long, eloquent thing of how beautiful person he was, and he just said, "And it fucking sucks that he's not here on yeah. the red carpet yeah. when they were getting." Ready. And you know, that's all you can really say. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like it does suck, and it's sad, and um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Tribute to the man. Absolutely. Um, so it sounds like Quentin's final movie, his 10th movie, will be called The Movie Critic. Yeah, what do you think um, about that, Kelly? I'm excited. I'm excited. I am too. I got, I got the little chills when I when – I, I, I was thinking it would be a perfect thing he alluded to. Maybe I walk off now. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right. I think, was my favorite movie. It was well-received. I, think I certainly like it He's going to do this, and, and there's still talk of him uh, producing a TV series as well. I don't exactly know what the TV series is in relation to this, but His Star Trek we idea. got that. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, Star Wars uh, news came out that they they got a whole new slate of movies, and they're bringing Ray back for at least another movie. Ugh. What do you think about that? <laughs> Um, no, no comment. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm I'm rooting for them. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'll go regardless of what I think. I just every single time, every single person, including the fans and the people working on these things, say, "Let's go do something new and explore something new." Yeah, they immediately turn around and do the opposite thing and carry on a storyline that well, we've already seen or Disney, tie it all Disney back into Sky, Kathleen the Kennedy Skywalker and all these saga. people. They're definitely. But even the shows, weird. which are the best version of Star Wars, and I love. All of them, you know, um, I, I just think I think they're doing a great job, um, but they're still tying it back in. You know what I mean? We, we're clearly yeah. retroactively trying to explain the cloning and, and the emperor and, you know, fine. Yep. But, you know, it's still not something totally new, even though you've given us a lot of new stuff. Yeah. It's not something separate. It's not something that expands the world. It's something that shrinks the world. Shrinks. So that's it. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's very well said. Um, the uh, 4K... New new release 4K of the TNG movies came out uh, in the last couple of weeks. I have it. I bought it. Um, so that means we have all, is it 10? All 10 of the uh, original series cast and TNG cast movies now yes, it was in 10. newly scanned and restored 4K versions. Um, and I have them all. So if you ever want to watch them, they're out. Yeah. Um, and sure lastly, uh, this is sort of in the category of upcoming, but, um, but return of the return of the Jedi is coming back to theaters in just a couple of weeks. Hell yeah, man. Um, can you tell me, did this happen for the other two movies? Like I genuinely no, do not it, remember this. It's weird that it didn't. And I, I talked about this a lot with you, not just for anniversary screenings, but I've talked to this about this a lot with you in terms of we live in LA. And one of the things I've loved about LA and particularly loved about LA when I first moved here was how often I could go to the Egyptian or the arrow or yeah. somewhere and see 
all God, three I Indiana hope the Egyptian Jones. opens back soon. Oh, I know. God, it's been but, a long time. But man. I could go see the Indiana Jones trilogy or the Back to the Future trilogy yeah. all together, or a couple Star Trek films back to back, and all this stuff. And the one series, which is my all-time favorite, that was always sort of absent from that yeah. was Star Wars. And my assumption, without doing any research whatsoever, <laughs> was that George Lucas is so weird and, and a tight ass about this stuff that yeah. he just won't allow people I'm sure that's true. to run it. Yeah. And, and certainly won't allow them to run the original version, which is what all these theaters want to run. Right. Like the version that came out in theaters, because right. he just can't admit that... I don't know. Um, so... It did not happen to my knowledge with the other two, particularly not on this scale where it's like, hey, we're bringing it out across the country kind of thing. Yeah. But as you know, I take great pride in having been born uh, yes. the year of Return of the Jedi. Yes. It's always seemed special to me because that is my series and that was the one that ended the saga, which will never end. It's very satisfying. Um, yeah. And so it's cool that it's coming back. I'm very excited to see it on the big screen. Um, I would still love to see the trilogy uh, yes, on the agreed. big screen. But, um, but I'm very excited about it and, and I don't know why they're doing it um, when they didn't do the other ones, but I'm happy they are. So yeah, it's great. Anyway. Um, moving on to trailers and upcoming movies. Um, I'm just going to rattle off a few yeah, recent it. trailers that look kind of fun. Um, we <laughs> are apparently getting a new movie from, um, uh, from the room director. Uh, oh my God. Tommy uh, Wiseau, Tommy Wiseau, uh, called big shark. Uh, it looks funny like a Tommy Wiseau movie (laughs) I'm excited for that Um, we got a trailer for Asteroid City the new Wes Anderson movie that looks fun it does Um, we have a full trailer or excuse me I don't even know if we're calling this a full trailer but we have a trailer for Barbie which uh, (laughs) looks fun this of course will be a big summer movie everyone will see uh, coming out the same day as Oppenheimer. So that trailer did make fun. me laugh. Oh, they have they have moved. I read they had moved Oppenheimer back. Are are you serious? That I must have just happened. Didn't want. Yeah, I read about okay, it yeah. last night. Now again, you I didn't dig right, too yeah. deep in, but I opened up an article and they said moving it back, not competing. Well, with Laurie Barbie and I were and talking about else. that yesterday, and we were definitely like, well, Barbie wins. Yeah. So like, if yeah. someone's gonna move, it's got to be Oppenheimer. And I mean, Oppenheimer uh, does seem a little more like an award season movie, as much as I don't think. Um, they've ever really cared about I that. I think that's hilarious because they've got these digital readout countdown clocks in all the movie theaters. Oh my God, you're right. And now they're going to move the oh day. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> that's uh, so funny. I yeah, didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Um, also trailers for uh, movies like, uh, let's see, Dial of Destiny. We got a full trailer um, and we got a new new poster, nice hand-drawn poster for Indiana Jones. Yeah. I missed um, the drawn poster. Did you see that Disney put out a release saying that this is definitively the end of this franchise? They put out a release and, and I didn't. They but. said, uh, these are the words, end of this franchise. And the James Mangold, the director, says this is the last Indiana Jones story. So. It's it's fascinating to me because it's what we all want and what, right. what I wanted earlier. Um, and they've gone on. And Harrison, of course, has said, "When they're I'm tr- gone, he's gone." There is they're no trying to uh, cleanse our palate. From, and yeah, <laughs> from well, and they've Crystal also said Skull. we will not move on from. Even Disney has said in the past we will not move on from Harrison. They didn't say this would be the last one, although you could assume right with him being eighty. But yeah. they've said we're not going to have a different version. It's not going to be James Bond or or Batman right, or whatever. Right, right. But do I do? Does anyone believe that? Like at this point, I don't know. It, it doesn't really matter what they say. Like I think that's right. the way they should go. But I like in five years, how many times have they been like, "Yeah, you they're just well saying what, you what I want to hear." Like, yeah. and you always promote that this is the end. You know what I mean? And the end comes or whatever to get everybody into the theater. 
you know, we, we had the last Harry Potter and now they're going to do the Deathly Child with the original cast yeah. while rebooting Harry Potter with a new cast starting over for like a series. So <sighs> it's kind of it, it's not the lot, world yeah. we live in anymore. I hope they're telling the truth. I do think there's an off chance that, yeah, they are done with Indiana Jones. But does that not mean that his now goddaughter goddaughter in this story um, played by um, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Yeah. yeah. Does that not mean we get an adventuring female I, through this? You I know, think they're saying they're not, not saying but, that couldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I maybe know. they are. I think they but, are. Um, saying that, but yeah. Anyway. But yeah. I mean, look, man, I, I hope that's true. I think this should stand on its own and not in a multiple versions. Right. Way. It would be super refreshing to have something in the world that is like the definitive sure. single thing. I think it would add meaning to it. Um, but I don't believe them. Yeah. So that's we'll fair. see. Um, we got trailers for, we got a full trailer for Secret Invasion, the new Marvel show. Yeah. Um, saw that. Which looked really good. It looks dark and it looks interesting and it looks like maybe like more of a, a uh, you know, a longer telling of a story, right. maybe better than a maybe better than a show, or excuse me, better than a movie. Right. Um, but then we have the Marvels coming out, as which well. obviously kind of picks up from that storyline as well. Both of so, them yeah, springboarding off of each other. Exactly. Um, we got a trailer and a date for Ahsoka, the new Star Wars show. With uh, I will admit, I was excited. Uh, yeah, it looks good. Rosario Dawson, who I've had a crush on for a thousand years. Yeah, she's and, great. Um, I, I am excited ever since she popped in in the Mandalorian. Uh, she looks great. Too. I mean, that's it seems thought, yeah, like a this great is something I would check out thing. Um, so that's that's out in August. Um, I saw a few trailers the other day uh, for some new movies. There's a movie called Blackberry about the forming of that yeah, company. I actually, and that trailer looks really compelling. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then also from Char- Charlie Day, did you see the trailer for Fool's, pa- Fool's Paradise? I did. How good does that I look? I did, yeah. I was I'm like, excited. this is fantastic. It's a bunch of things I'm excited about. Is it going to be good? I don't know, but it looks really fun. Yeah. We should start um, a countdown and then move it yeah, back as per right. as next year. Um, there's a really good trailer for a movie called Sanctuary, which is like a, a kind of a- Didn't see that one. A- erotic thriller sort of i don't know if that's they still fair to do call those? it that i don't know if it's fair to call it that but it's definitely a sexually driven deep thriller. water was an erotic thriller um, so i guess they still i do would them. say this is definitely in that vein yeah yeah, yeah. yeah there you go um body and, heat and a basic instinct being the best ones ever by the for way, sure if you um and then in the tv realm there are lots of uh, shows coming up soon in a couple of weeks there's this new show with uh, elizabeth olsen called love and death that looks good um did you is see that the, that's not based in any way on the woody allen movie love and death is it i actually don't know i have no okay. concept Just of that curious. i don't know Wait, i can movie. look into that um there's another hbo show coming up called white house plumbers did you see that trailer no but just you gotta from check the that title out. alone I'm fascinated. It, no, it, it's essentially the Watergate story. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. I so assumed it was something like that. I, uh, I really am excited for that. It looks wow. fantastic. And then we're getting a new season of The Bear on Hulu in June. It starts in June, as is uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds comes back in June. I'm excited for that, too. As is Secret I enjoyed Invasion, as is Yellowstone. And By so the way, so have you watched Prodigy so. at all? No, I haven't. Is it good? It actually is. It is good. It it's is, on my list. It's yeah. worth watching. It's it's it starts okay and it takes a little while, but by the end, man, I would argue it's a really good Star Trek. Series. I'm gonna I'm gonna remind myself it, truly to check it out. It gets uh, to a place where it's it, once it picks up. I was shocked by because it was like background for me. Yeah, right. Um, and then I got into it and it stopped being background. I had to start watching. You know, like when I was actually sitting down and focusing because I think they do a really good job of capturing 
the heart of Star Trek. I would say it's well, I love Lower Decks, but that's a different thing. Yeah, for sure. But it's but it's a really really good. There's some interesting stuff in there, man, and some interesting science fiction concepts and things like that. So that's worth, awesome. Worth checking out. Um, let's see. Is there anything else? I think I'm done with. Uh, I got to sneeze. Uh, no. Yeah, do it. I can't. Take your time. Oh, man. We'll man. cut all this out. Fuck. No, I won't. <laughs> oh, man, that is so annoying. Just hold on to it. Um, Keep it inside. So let's, it down let's like do else. the movie year quiz. Uh, Ooh, okay. I haven't done one in a while. Yeah, we haven't. Um, I nailed the last one. I got like 9 out of 10 last time. Uh, well, let's see if Not you can. Not to pat myself on the back. <laughs> let's see if you can do it again. Um, all right. Rattle wait, on them off. Wait, before yeah, yeah, you yeah, start. Yeah. Do you know what I realized what years I often confuse and I don't know why? What? 86 and 87, I often switch in my brain. I don't know why. There's a series of movies that came out in those two years, and I'm constantly battling back and forth between the two. Anyway, uh, go ahead. Very funny. They're all going to be from um, 86 and 87. I, yeah, no, now I can actually target that for the next time. <laughs> you should. Um, that would be fun. Just an 86, 87 year. That would be great. You'll have a 50-50 chance, yeah, each time. Great. Um, Miami Vice. Miami Vice the movie. Yes. Miami Vice the movie, I think, was 2005? Six. Very close. Son of a bitch. Uh, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, I'm going to guess, was 1961? Correct. Broken Flowers. Broken Flowers, I think, was 2002. Five. Fuck. The Godfather. Not crushing this. Uh, 72. Yes. Ghost. Uh, Ghost was 1990. Correct. Willow. Willow was 1988. Correct. Duel. Duel was 1977? 71. Wasn't that wild? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're not going to count it, but I was thinking Duelists, which is a... I um, will not count it because that is a different movie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But but, but I think that's That's 77. You guys can check me at home. Um, Duel, Duel, you're talking about Spielberg's Yeah, Spielberg's uh, truck movie. Okay, I could have gotten that. Okay. But but whatever. Uh, Stand By Me. Uh, Stand By Me. uh, Stand By Me was night. Ooh. I'm not sure for Stand By Me. 1986? Yeah. Okay, six uh, or seven. Re- I was going back and <laughs> yeah. forth between six or well, seven. Rear Window. Uh, rear Window was 1954. Correct. And Snatch. Uh, ooh, Snatch. Uh, Snatch was 2001? 2000. Okay. So close. So if I don't uh, count duel, you got three wrong. Uh, okay. That was an okay round. Uh, yeah, not, yeah. not my best. Not it's my like best. a C minus. Not my best. Um, um, wait, hang on though. Let yeah, me let ahead. me confirm. I do want to actually know if I Duelist. got Duelist was <laughs> I mean, right. Because I, I was thinking too. of a totally different movie. Uh, that's the funny. Duelists. Duelist. Duelist. It's spelled weird too. It's I think it's two L's. Yep, seventy-seven. Okay. You know you know who directed that movie? Who? Um, this was, I think, the f- it might have even been the first feature for Ridley Scott. Oh, really? I might be wrong. I've never seen it, but okay. I, but I've wanted to for a long time. It's just not. A You're thinking movie. of the Last Duel by Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> that was what was funny when I saw that was announced. I was like, this motherfucker's starting and ending He's with doing duels. duels. Anyway, um, so let's do some Rotten Tomato scores. Let's do it. Uh, it's getting honestly harder and harder for me to decide if there's like sure. a category I want to do. It's honestly, <laughs> and so I am reaching to great lengths to the end of the have internet. like some kind of a 
theme. And this is more of like a, a personal thing where okay. since we podcasted last, I have absorbed, inherited, slash found, however you want to say it, um, a Laserdisc player. So I started a little Laserdisc yeah. collection. I went to the store or to a, a good uh, uh, record store here in Burbank that has a small uh, Laserdisc selection. And uh, they had actually a really good selection. I went in there thinking, all I need is one disc to test this record, <laughs> test this Laserdisc player. Um, and I ended up leaving with like 15. That's because awesome, they man. were $2 a piece. So I gave the guy course, 30 bucks yeah. and I walked out. Um, but eight of those are um, pretty well-known movies. And that was my goal was like to find some good action, big spectacle movie to test out this player. Gotcha. And so uh, these are the movies that I grabbed. Um, and we're going to do the Rotten Tomato scores of them. Uh, and by the way, we may have done these in other categories in the past. I just don't really care. We're going to do them. I'm sure. a completist. Here we go. Sure. Independence Day. Oh, Independence Day critics. Oh, boy. <laughs> critics 75. Audiences 88. 68 from critics and 75 from audiences. Only 75 Kind of low, audiences. right? I guess we were how, kids. How so can you not? Know. Yeah, how I can you not love in the that. world? As a, I've said this before, but that's Jess's dad's favorite movie of all time. I get it. He's I like, totally he, he literally looks at me. He's like, what else do you want from a movie? It's perfect. Like he looks at, yeah, he said, that's what he says. It's like a perfect movie. Yeah. I don't right. know what you want. I get it. I'm with you. Um, speed. Hmm. Um, I want to say with the newness of like, you know, the Die Hard on a Bus thing. Yeah. Um, critics were probably into this one too. So I'll say critics gave it a, a 88 and audiences gave it a 92. 94 from critics. Wow. Which I couldn't believe actually because it's like kind of a corny movie. <laughs> but it was like, again, it was new. There's I guess, such a I thing know. for something people haven't seen. And before. then only 76 from audiences. 76 from audiences? I'm just really speed? disappointed in what is Rotten the, Tomatoes? The movie going public yet um total recall that doesn't make any sense i'm shook yeah um we're talking about 1990 total (laughs) recall of course um i got that year by the way um no big they didn't put out total recall recently on laserdisc oh oh, (laughs) yeah good point good point should have known um i don't know total recall uh critics 82 audiences uh 84 very close. This is 83 from critics and 79 from audiences. Yeah, and I was going to say like 77. It's, so. You're very close on that one. All right. This is a good one. Maverick. Oh, okay. And I'm going to guess this is the 92 Maverick because I guess there's It's actually no. the 94 <laughs> Maverick. Oh, shit. Yeah. 94 Maverick. Wow. It's okay. Fuck, we're not playing the movie that up game. real bad. Yeah. Um, 94 Maverick. Critics. Assholes. Um, critics gave it a 75. Audiences gave it a 81. 67 from critics. 71 from audiences. Man, that's, isn't that kind of It's a an underappreciated. I agree. Classic. One of these days we'll do it for a commentary. Yeah, I can't episode. wait. I can't wait. Um, next up, Stargate. <laughs> Stargate. That's a 94. That's another 94 movie. It is 94. Um, Stargate. Critics. 70 audiences 72 53 from critics and 73 you're very close from audiences i love stargate i I, love i also understand 
if people aren't like Stargate's a masterpiece, but I love it. Yeah, because it's really not a masterpiece. There's something about it, though, that is extremely satisfying. Sure. And I think it's kind of like on the other hand. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Next up, Pulp Fiction. Another night. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, man, we're in 94, aren't we? Uh, Pulp, what very hip year. Uh, Pulp Fiction uh, for critics is uh, 97. And for audiences, it's a 94. You were so close. 92 from audiences, or excuse me, from critics and 96 from audiences. Oh, okay. So you were, you know, just Actually, a couple Actually, I thought critics were even higher um, on that. Here is another 94 movie, Forrest Gump. All-time classic. Um, this one's going to probably break my heart. Uh, critics for Forrest Gump, uh, 85 audiences, 92. 71 from critics. Fuck them. And 95 from audiences. Okay. They, yeah. get, they get it. Beloved movie. Last but not least is Top Gun. Oh, the OG? Yeah. Um, critics, 70. Audiences, 90. 58 from <laughs> critics. Not even acknowledging the technical 83 from audiences. Okay, so not as high yeah. for audiences either. Um, that movie wild, right? was so big. You know, we talk about this, the the recruitment for the Navy shot up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people were leaving that thing like, I don't know. But audiences, see, I would always thought that critics were at least, again, from a technical standpoint, giving it some marks. But I guess not. I don't know. Um, I also bought a two-disc set, which I didn't put in here for uh, for reviews, is... Um, Jean de Florette and Manon of the Spring, which is a, a, a an original and a sequel. You know, it's a, a duology movie, whatever. Um, that uh, is a French a French uh, set of movies that I watched in movie night last year or the year before. Oh, right on! And I highly recommend those from people. I got them on the dual laserdisc set, sealed, and it has a Tower Records original price of ninety nine dollars. <laughs> Laser discs were very expensive. <laughs> well, hey man, speaking yeah. of uh, uh, movie nights, um, yes. How did you enjoy your most recent? movie? Oh night? yeah, I did tell you about that. Um, <laughs> we watched uh, Over the Top. Yeah. Um, I haven't Still been at movie classic. night a lot recently because I've been working so much. But uh, two from this sports category that we're in right now that I have caught are Downhill Racer. With yeah. Robert Redford, yeah. which was kind of a slog. Sure. And but how about that moment at the end where they look at each other and it's that, like, the very that last smile moment. where he yeah. crashes and they're like, yeah, yeah. we did it. Like yeah. what? Anyway. It's a, a yeah, kind of a moment. Um, and then uh, Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone, which Over the Top is actually, I think, quite underrated. My After we watched it, I was like, that's really good, man. I, I don't know. It, it's There is nothing in that movie that is... Um, cause you expect such a bad movie, like sure. bad eighties yeah. movie. There's it nothing is really, such an 80s movie. there is nothing really that bad in it. Like I am surprised at the, the kid is actually quite a good performance right. sure. for a kid. You know, he's like a 12, 11, 12 year old actor and he does a great job with that weird character. And then yep. uh, Sylvester is a very understated, mellow guy. And obviously he has moments of nonsense where, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, that's how'd you like his arm thing. exercising device. It's our favorite part road. of the movie. Well, once we saw that, we were like, we all need these in our cars. 
if you're right-handed, you just <laughs> hold the steering wheel with the left hand and you lift weights with the right yeah, hand. Yeah, there you go. Um, it's really great. Well, um, I stand by my statement to you that I texted you that that child does not belong on the road with Stallone. Oh, for sure. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean it it's not great. It me a lot of like Roadhouse. You know what I mean? Like stuff I've never like seen that. Roadhouse, so I don't know. Wow, okay. Yeah, I've They're seen Cocktail, it. though, yeah. So. Um, anyways, uh, I think uh, our last section to, to end our show is usually Hidden Gems. Do you have one for us? I do, man. Um, my hidden it. gem is actually we. So Jess and I went to um, Jamaica recently. Sweet. Um, I was sick the entire time, which sucked, but but Gross. it was still uh, part of it was fun when I wasn't feeling terrible. And on the plane, um, I was just scrolling through movies, looking for some way to kill some time, and came across uh, the movie Fever Pitch. I assume ah, yeah. I assume you remember Fever Pitch. Yeah, I don't remember it really, but I definitely saw it, and I know it's very cute. It's well, good. Yeah. What you probably don't remember is that there's a 1998. Uh, fever pitch uh, that our fever pitch was based on. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. That is about soccer. And that's the book and the true story that became a movie with Colin Firth from 1998. And Mark Strong is no in shit. it. No shit. And that was the movie that popped up on the plane. And I was like, what the hell? Oh. And then I looked all into it. And I read, and look, it's a very small, very modestly made yeah. British comedy. Um, but it's enjoyable. It's fun. Um, obviously, you know the storyline is similar, but not exactly the same. Sure, yeah. Um, for this movie, as the um, the one that with Drew Barrymore, yeah, right, um, and uh, Jimmy uh, uh, Fallon, and uh, it's worth checking out, man. That would be my hidden gem for this week. Uh, if you get a chance and you want to kind of do a comparison contrast, that's cool. Um, it's it's a fun, cute, sweet little flick. Um, I have one. I don't know that it's hidden, but it's one that I watched a million times when I had it on VHS. Uh, it's a 1998 movie from Brian De Palma called Snake Eyes. Hell yeah! And uh, it's it's not as hidden as much as it's like maybe an underrated Brian De Palma, or it's kind of like one of his lesser known movies, maybe. But I mean, the fact is, it's it's Nicolas Cage in really a perfect Nicolas Cage era. You know, it's right in that face off and rock era you know post that and he uh he's just wonderful it's also like a weird movie that's a one take movie sort of you know it's supposed to be sure. one continuous camera shot and it's very compelling because of that um it was written by david kep who has written a lot of fun movies like he wrote jurassic park and he wrote mission impossible and he wrote uh war of the worlds and um i just highly recommend that if you haven't visited again it's a weird movie i mean it's a brian de palma movie so it's a little bit you know off um sure. but yeah. um yeah. and it's and it's very dark um but it's very satisfying i like that movie a lot by the way if you got hbo um blowout is uh, available right now Speaking sweet of de palma, blowout yeah, is one. one of the movies that is on my oldest watch list meaning i've never seen blowout. wow you gotta and check it out, man. Yeah, I I uh, genuinely need to see that. You want to talk about a movie from I'm the not early, encyclopedic about De Palma. Yeah. A, a movie from the early '80s that is absolutely a '70s movie, right? Uh, where the '80s hadn't kind of caught up yet. Yeah. Um, and I would argue, I guess for me, De Palma. There's so many movies, man. Some people would say like Scarface or whatever, but sure. for me, the standout is very clearly and easily The Untouchables. Uh-huh. It's just the best De Palma movie to me. But I mean, he's the one who launched. Uh, the Mission Impossible yeah, franchise for now, sure. and all you know, there's Dress to Kill and all these movies, but 
but a lot of people would say Blowout is his masterpiece. That's like, fair. Uh, it's worth yeah. checking out. And uh, anyway, so I will be check checking out. that out. Well, uh, that's all I got. You got anything else for us? No, man. We did it. We did it, and we're in under two hours, which is really satisfying. Fantastic. And uh, we'll be back again soon. Hopefully, we can do a commentary. But I know I'll be uh, I'll be working a lot. So uh, yeah. get out and see some movies. Go to the movie theaters, please, and thank you if you feel comfortable doing so. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and there are a lot of great movies yeah. out and coming out. So and keep an um, eye out for the next time the uh, 1994 classic Maverick is available. Yeah, maybe text us if. <laughs> yeah, let us know. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Bye.